You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for week three and film three of our Spider-Man rewatch. We are already at the halfway point of the modern Spider-Man movies and the end of an era, um, a very sad end of an era here for many, many, many reasons, which we're about to talk about. The disaster that was Spider-Man 3 that one person on this podcast is going to spend two to two and a half hours trying to defend. (laughs) So let's just get right into it. Um, I am Colin, not the person that's going to defend it. And Ben, you're a good woman. I'm a good man. (laughs) And my name is Ben. And I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets (laughs) everywhere. Not like here. Here, everything is soft and smooth. How did I not put it together when we <laughs> quoted that, like, in the last few episodes? And we're going to eventually get to well, soft. Well, I was, I was going to... I was going to go with, um, a guest. A guest. A guest. But I thought you were going to go with that quote, so I just kind of went in with this and should have gone with... Bernard. I was going to... No, I was going to go with strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> so many bad lines. <laughs> Endless supply of bad lines. I thought I'd pick from at least one good line from our great Mr. Ditkovich. <laughs> and for some reason, I go with a bad line myself from another movie. <laughs> and I'm the one supposedly defending this movie. <laughs> That's apparently the most appropriate line, no matter what we're covering. <laughs> it just comes into every uh, single show we do. Somehow, it's just always there. <laughs> to the line from uh, Star Wars, I've... it always keeps on giving. <laughs> Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this uh, episode. (laughs) I said I'm very excited to talk uh, about this episode here, not about this movie. It is funny, though, I will say I've been teasing this for weeks. Um, Here, I'm going to finally spill the beans here. I don't like Spider-Man 3. No. I know that surprises a lot of you out there (laughs) who have heard the last two weeks, but I don't care for this. But... I have so many complaints about this movie that my notes are about triple what I wrote from the first two. Uh, If you combine my notes from the first two, there's still more here. Uh, And I'm just interested to see how we're going to handle a big debate here. If this will be a debate or if it just be me bringing up very solid, valid points and Ben being like, shut up! (laughs) Which is the way it normally goes. At least it's not like Diana the Day where I hosted that episode. (laughs) You can can control the argument this time around and not just have me going over the same thing and Noah just, you know, ignoring what's happening in the film and jumping ahead for 10 hours. (laughs) You know, if this goes anything like our James Bond podcast, um, when this episode goes up, you know better than I do by now, this has already been tagged with, get ready to talk about the greatest Spider-Man movie ever that we all love. <laughs> I wasn't going to write that, but I am jazz. now. <laughs> jazz and and weird burned faces. Yeah. <laughs> Emo slicked hairs, all the greatness that you expect from your favorite childhood superhero. And beating his girlfriend, all the fun stuff. We have so much to talk about here today. <laughs> uh, let's just jump into a little bit of happiness here first. Wasn't the trailer for this movie amazing? That's where I'm going to start. Because just like I talked about Spider Man 2, I mean, the trailer for this was so good. I mean, I remember the teaser trailer, which was. Basically just showing, you know, the the first 
uh, thing with the symbiote taking him over in the black suit. I mean, this movie was promoted brilliantly. It's no surprise why it was such a huge hit financially when it came out. Uh, and I was excited for this. And I was a huge fan of the first two movies. Uh, I, I was an even bigger fan of the second than I was the first. And I fully expected this would be the one trilogy that ever got better with each film and you get number one number two is better number three is the best and i thought that'll never happen it'll happen with spider-man 3 uh this is probably one of the last years where there were midnight movies i don't know if this is big like it is here in north america but we used to have like the midnight screenings so the movie comes out on friday but you could get there 1201 on friday so technically thursday night going into friday morning and if you were really dedicated, you were there, and those showtimes were always sold out, and that's when you got like the really excited fans, and it was a fun experience. And I was there for the midnight show, the big group of us that went, and believe it or not, I walked out of it thinking that was a good movie. I didn't mind this so much. Uh, I definitely didn't walk out thinking this is as good as the first two. I had some complaints about it, but it really wasn't until I saw it a second time later that summer where I'm like, I kind of see the complaints because bad reviews had already come out for this by the time it opened. And I wasn't really swayed by those in the beginning, but the second time I saw it, I started to see a lot of the complaints. And then it it took a while before I really came around to a lot of the hatred that I have for this movie now. Hatred may be a strong word. Uh, the one thing I will say is that from the first viewing till now, I can never say that a single scene of this movie is boring. Uh, it is entertaining for better or worse. <laughs> Um, but as it comes to, you know, where I am now, ah, it's painful to get through sometimes. There's so many mistakes made in this movie. And I did say at the end of the last episode that, uh, a couple of years ago, I took this, I wanted to show it to my nephews and they kept saying, we want to see Spider-Man three because I showed them the first two. I'm like, you don't want to see it. Eventually I said, I will show them a version that is good. I re-edited this movie about 20 minutes less. I altered certain scenes very cleverly. I would love to show it one day just to show you Ben the way this movie could be done proper, but uh, there is a way that this movie could have been fixed, and more than anything, that's what kind of fascinates me about this movie, is that it wasn't a movie that was uh, impossible to redeem. It's just too much Sam Raimi in this, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit more of that later on. Uh, you, how did you uh, go into Spider-Man 3? Did you enjoy it when it first came out? I, I think you need to get a job as a film editor, because you seem to do that a lot with your... Um, I do it, yeah. I think it was um, how you became a... And also, wasn't it, you told me about how you re-edited the finale of Survivor Australian Outback, wasn't it? Yeah. To make Colby win or something like that, or... Wait, uh, no, it was uh, All-Stars to All make Stars. Boss and Rob right, win. Right. Yeah, I, I like to fix things that go wrong. There you go. Uh, well, I should really let you edit these podcasts. You, you, I mean, <laughs> if, if people are listening in Hollywood, um, yeah, you should definitely, you should definitely uh, hire Colin. Look, I, I will start off by saying, like, I probably come across thinking, like, this is my die another day that I love this and I'm going to defend it to death. Like, I can definitely, definitely, I can definitely see faults with this film. I'm not going to come out here and say this is as good as Spider Man One and Spider Man Two. I definitely see the problems with this film, and there's definitely things in this film I do not like more than just MJ. Um, there's a character in this film I probably hate more than I hate MJ. There you go. Um, and there are definitely things with this film that, yeah, do not work. They're just a random and are just like, what the hell is this doing here? And why is this here? And, you know, I, I'm interested to see kind of what you've edited and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm not going to come out and say this is a masterpiece of cinema or anything like that. But I, I probably find a lot more enjoyment in this film. And, and it's kind of interesting 
this is the one I've seen the least out of all of the you know the three original ones, and not just because I think it's bad. I just guess I watched the first two and kind of like, eh, I can't be bothered watching the third. Um, but there's still a lot in this film too that I I enjoy more so than a lot of the the bad reviews. Um, you know, I, I, there's lots of it in in terms of you know obviously a lot of the main complaints is there's too many villains in this film, um, and. I, look, I, to me, it's to me. I only saw Amazing Spider-Man two recently for the first time. I think that is far worse than this. And you saying how this is never boring, uh, I agree with you. I find Amazing Spider-Man two boring. <laughs> we'll get to that. And I think that was interesting how that kind of really did what this did, didn't it? And had too many villains in that going for it as well. But again, we're jumping way ahead. I just think that this is is got some stuff to it, which is just still fun and enjoyable and kind of really sums up this entire trilogy for Sam Raimi that I can still walk away and be semi-satisfied with it. Um, and, you know, there's one scene in particular, which we went over in the last movie, which you absolutely hate. And I even on this rewatch just got to the point where I'm like, this is so much better than raindrops keep falling on my head. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but we'll get to that. But I just, I also want to point out Toby Maguire. Like, I don't know in terms of the criticism this film gets if Toby Maguire ever gets criticized, but I think I could almost put an argument. This could be his strongest one. Like, I used to did last film, <laughs> Spider Man 2 was good, but he's just got such a, an interesting. You know, rage that he's got to do with so many different things in this film. But I, I found myself enjoying Tobey Maguire so much more in this film. And maybe that's because I knew I'm not going to see him again after this. But, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just no. Uh, <laughs> your, your response um, to all that, no. <laughs> yeah. I am going to address something early on. There, there will be a few things. Each time I see this movie, I find less and less that I can defend about it. And uh, it is the one of the ones that I've watched the least. And in a way, I wish I hadn't because the more I do watch it, the more problems I see with it. And I can tell you that even uh, what two years ago when Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, the last time I rewatched the whole series, uh, I probably still enjoyed some of this a little bit more than now. But there's one complaint, as you brought up already, that everybody has that I still have a little bit of a defense for. And that's that it has too many villains. Uh does it have too many villains? Yeah, if they were all on screen at the same time, but I'll get into later on why I don't think it's that much of a problem. But I think they handle the amount of villains well. And also, I think if you look at a lot of the more popular superhero movies, they have more villains than this. You look at Batman Begins. Batman Begins has like four villains, okay? Um <laughs> Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier has at least two or three villains. Uh, it's not a problem with the amount of villains in this. Uh, and it, for the record, I think they do a pretty good job with what they have to work with with the villains they have. Uh, so that's not one of the complaints I'm going to have. But I do think that they have a few too many characters in this, uh, and there's a lot that could be written written out of it. Uh, and I think <laughs> your defense of Tobey Maguire... I'm not knocking Tobey Maguire. I think for... if. This is the one area where I will semi-agree with you. For what he had to work with, he gave it his all and probably had to work harder with this movie than any other. And he's never boring in it. And he's never uh, giving a lazy effort. He's he's always trying, but there's just no good material for him to work with. And when he's the happy Peter, it's written all wrong. When he's the you know kind of sad Peter, it's written all wrong. When he's the emo... You know, Evil Peter, it's written all wrong. Mm. None of it is written right. The biggest problem with this movie is the script, and I'm going to put a lot of blame on Sam Raimi, who I did nothing but praise last time. 
Sam Raimi's name is all over this movie, and people for years have tried to say Sam Raimi was just bullied into making a movie he didn't want to make. They try to say he didn't want to use Venom. Well, I'm sorry, Sam Raimi not only wrote the story for this movie, which he didn't have any writing credits on the first movie, he wrote the story with his brother, he wrote the screenplay with his brother, and then they brought on Alvin Sargent, who was one of the screenwriters that helped uh, form Spider-Man 2 when that one was in trouble, to rewrite it. But this is all Sam Raimi here. I mean, he directed it, he wrote it, it was all him, and he could say all he wants, well, the studio pressured me into putting these extra characters in there, but it's the way he used them that's all wrong. So um, when we get to the soundtrack, I'm going to have ways that I blame Sam Raimi. When we get to uh, the characters and the immaturity of this movie, I'm going to blame Sam Raimi. It's just, this is all his fault. I am not going to hold Tobey Maguire responsible for Sam Raimi's mistake, but I still love Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 1 and 2. It's, it's interesting. I never kind of looked at it that way. I, I just say with Tobey Maguire, like, it's an interesting point you make. I mean, you know, there's definitely some terribly written bits in this film, really badly written bits in this film. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just I just think that, the, like, yeah, it's not Tobey Maguire's fault, but just even the bits that are shit, like, he still can manage, like... I, I don't know. I will possibly when we get to the scenes, you know, because I'm going to enjoy the emo Peter. But um, it's just it's just <laughs> you're losing your audience. But like the thing I find with with Peter and Toby in this film is just like it's just something so endearing. Like he he's cute, he's sweet, he's geeky. Then he becomes like you know dark and almost sexy, and then it's like I don't know. It's just just the way he is. Like I, I love Tobey Maguire. I just again, there's probably a lot of it. It's just I'm sad that we have to, you know, switch to Andrew Garfield in a week's time. But um, I don't know. Where, hashtag where's Toby? He hasn't been any much recently. Yeah. So uh, hashtag we miss Toby. Um, again, Sam, I agree with you. He does have an endearing quality. He helps to hold together a lot of the bad material. And even just as we start off in the opening scenes. I mean, I, first I love the credits that we're again getting the flashbacks to the previous movies and everything. Um, the opening scene, you know, we always get the narration and everything. This time, I mean, it's very cartoony and everything, but the, the tone might be a problem, but the way Tom McGuire plays it really does help these early scenes where it's basically Spider-Man's vanity. I mean, at this point, you should be looking down on Peter because he's like, oh, Spider-Man's the best. Everybody loves Spider-Man. And, uh, hey, hey, kids, do you want to sit here and watch me for another hour on this big screen? <laughs> But his charm does help carry it. So I will give you that. Um, he helps us a little bit. He finally shows up on time <laughs> at MJ's new play, her new Broadway musical. Uh, but <laughs> he's still barely showing up on time. The lights are going down as he's sitting in his seat. And we're supposed to he's a good boyfriend now. And he's even going around to brag. You know, it's like, I got a great girlfriend. We're doing great. I'm great in school. And the lights are going down. He barely made it on time here. Not to mention, he's too cheap to pay for his own ticket. He's like, ah, oh, my girlfriend on. left me a ticket. <laughs> if Jamie was in a Broadway play, do you expect to pay for your own ticket? <laughs> I, If I didn't, I would at least pay for some flowers to bring her. <laughs> you know, he, he paid for flowers the first time. Here he brings her nothing. He gets flowers <laughs> in a room afterwards. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which are dwarfed by Harry. Oh, but yeah, we'll get come to that. on, leave Peter alone. <laughs> I honestly believe that you know you have this irrational hatred for Kirsten Dunst in this movie. <laughs> you have this mild affection for Ursula, and mild. you are head over heels in love with Peter Parker. <laughs> 
You've caught me. Yes, you're a soulmate. You've caught me. Yes. I, that's not Peter Parker. It's Tobey Maguire. I mean, wait till we get to the Amazing Spider-Man. Like, I'm not going to be feeling the same for Andrew Garfield. It's it's Toby. Let's be honest. It's Toby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will cover a, a good chunk of this here, but basically, she's now on Broadway. Her character's progressed from part one till now, and that's one thing I like that they made her a little bit different in each movie. Um, almost different. She's still messing around with any guy. She still has uh, committed adultery three times in three films, but <laughs> she's on Broadway, and here's one of my many complaints about Sam Raimi writing this movie. This was a movie series made for young people. It was about teenagers, about people in their early 20s, and the previous screenwriters, even though we had a half dozen of them in two movies, they all understood that you were writing this for an audience, and this is where it becomes painfully obvious that you have a 50 to 60-year-old man writing a teenage movie because this is the most 1930s broadway play that i don't think exists anymore the music is from the 30s the wardrobe's from the 30s the backdrop is from the 30s the audience all looks like they were born in the 30s there's nothing youthful or energetic about spider-man 3 and all kind of goes here this is why Tony um, mcguire was but- cast in the great gatsby <laughs> <laughs> He was stuck in the 1930s. That's why his career has gone nowhere yes. since here. Because he sold his soul to Sam Raimi, <laughs> who basically had him stuck in the 1930s for the rest of his career. And that one's been making um, in 19, you know, that, that period of movies since The Great Gatsby. So he's here in the streets of Hollywood. Yeah. Please hire me for your period piece. <laughs> he's been digressing since the 1950s of Pleasantville, <laughs> all the way down to the 30s here. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, so the play's over. Peter's the only one who seemed to enjoy it. MJ had a really lousy song, which my wife commented. It's like, she doesn't sound very good. I'm like, well, that's kind of the point, as we find out later on. Uh, she even mentions, well, the applause wasn't very loud. And Peter gives a nice lecture on the science of applause. <laughs> Poor applause, at least. And, uh, yeah, we see Harry's given her better flowers than Peter has. Um, flash forward to Harry in his father's laboratory or whatever we saw in the first part. And amazingly, this high school graduate that did nothing in college (laughs) and ran a business six months ago now has the science knowledge of one of the greatest scientists of the 21st century because he can now perform these experiments by himself when his father couldn't. Uh, (laughs) We go after that to Peter and MJ in the park looking up at the stars with the amazing dialogue of, wow. Ooh. <laughs> and just awkward silences in between the wows and oohs. <laughs> that, that's love, so, Colin. That's how. That's what love <laughs> is. Isn't that what you and Jamie have? Wow. Ooh. <laughs> I know this. This is a lot to cover, but um, uh, one more thing because this will all cut off in a second, and we'll get to something that's a little bit more important. So they're happy. They're in the park. They're in love. They're spiderwebbing down, riding on his moped, and something weird crashes, which starts a chain of events that <laughs> will ruin the lives of everybody in the audience who watches on opening night. <laughs> a symbiote lands. We're all very excited for Venom, who will be coming, and will be so let down in about an hour and 45 minutes when this pays off. It attaches itself to Peter's bike. Um, this is not the strongest opening for a Spider-Man movie. Like I said, it's not boring. None of this is dragging on for eternity. Uh, it's cheesy. It's bad, maybe in a slightly entertaining way. Well, let's be honest too, as you're saying, it sets it up for a bad, uh, bad time for the audience because it means Topher Grace is going to appear at some point. Uh, (laughs) I kind of like it. No, no, no. (laughs) 
Just Topher Grace is not using a sentence with the word like at all. Come on. Uh, <laughs> just seriously, if I'm going to yell at anyone more than I will at MJ in this film, it's going to be Topher Grace. What's his name? Eddie Brock Jr.? Eddie Tosser Jr.? One of Toss. Um, <laughs> anyway... Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, why is Peter regress back okay, in? Let's start from the beginning here. Peter's in Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> Peter gets bitten by a radioactive <laughs> spider. Uh, <laughs> what's with all the kids being douches to Peter again? They're in college. I didn't realize college kids still, you know, <laughs> doing know. spitballs. Like... This is against Sam Raimi just being completely out of touch with anybody who's younger than 55. <laughs> I just, is Sam Raimi really that old? Like I saw a picture of him the other day. He didn't look as old as you were. <laughs> no, I, he's like, you know, yeah, he's like 1959. He was born, so I guess he's, he's like in his fifties. At the time, he's Madonna's yeah, age. At the time this came out, he's maybe 48. But he he writes it like a 50, 60 year old man. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I what does I say here? Um, I love the scene when he's in the front row and he's like. That's my girlfriend. It reminds me, I, I don't know if you've seen, like, remember Scary Movie, when they've got that whole modelling scene with, uh, what is it, Shannon and Elizabeth walking down the runway, and, they go, and the guy's like, that's my girlfriend. Everyone in the crowd's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, I'm tapping that. And he's like, shut up. That's not your girlfriend. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> like, wait a second. Wait a second. That must have been the first draft of the script, because that fits with the MJ we've known <laughs> for part one and two. <laughs> Because, I mean, seriously, like, anyone could go to a Broadway play. <laughs> yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, right, mate. Like, as if you're going to believe that. Um, and, of course, she's singing a song about falling in love. I mean, that's, that's not even in the play. That's just MJ singing. <laughs> that's why she was fired. Yes. Like, stop bringing your personal life into our musical sequences here. Stop ad-libbing our know, expensive Broadway play from the 1930s. <laughs> Uh, she's only third billing on the ticket. She's not even the star. Like she's only third on the cast list. Come on. Um, I love those girls in the walking out. I thought she was good. <laughs> good. But again, who are they talking about? She's not even the main star. So why are they walking out talking about the third? Like that would be like everybody. If you walk out of Spider-Man three <laughs> and you hear somebody say, I thought he was good. Like, are you referring to James Franco? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be referring to the star. <laughs> Exactly. And let's be honest, they've just slept with MJ. So, like, I thought she was good. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> um, what else I read? I, I, when, we, when we see Harry, I like it when he's up there in the, like, the wings, like, and he's got his little, you know, he needs a monocle, not the, uh, the binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, the evil box. Oh, Mr. Burns box. Um, I want him, like, doing that, that weird, like, you, you just pat the palm of your hand. Bravo! Bravo! Yeah. And Bernard next to him. No, we need- Excellent play! <laughs> we need to continue on the Star Wars prequels theme when they're watching those giant orb things and it's Anakin and, and Senator Palpatine. Not yet! <laughs> um, That's my girlfriend. <laughs> giant orbs. MJ's an orb. Um, I have to say... Uh, MJ, like, she progressively, it's like, I guess you would say in these films, at least you would say, I swear she progressively gets worse. This could be her worst film out of all of these, because not only does she turn into a cheating hoe, she also turns into a selfish cheating hoe, 
Um, because it's always about her, even more so than it has been in the previous two films. Tell me I was wonderful again. Oh, tell me again. Tell it's me you love me. Night. It's her opening night. I don't care. Like, you said it once. <laughs> you just want to call him a nerd. You're such a nerd. Is that meant to be romantic? <laughs> when he's going on. Um, yeah. Anyway. I mean... <laughs> Is romance really... <laughs> You're the wrong person to ask. Get Jamie. Come on. Jamie, yeah. come on the episode. Talk about romance. Uh, Colin doesn't have a romantic bone in his body. Come on. Um, but I like it. When they're on that web and they're, you know, oh, wow, you know, the, the great romantic dialogue. Um, when he comes down from the web, d- does he clean that web up or does he just... Is there constantly a big string yeah. of webs around New York City? And everyone's like, oh, there's Spider-Man getting laid again. <laughs> I, we should have like the the newspaper crime down seventy five percent, waste management up seventy five percent, and also like the thing is, it's kind of a thing in this movie I find with Peter Parker that clearly he can decide when he has a night off. I mean, okay, he's Spider Man, like you know, you'd assume he's always busy because there's always crime in New York, but like at that point when he's like macking it on with MJ, oozing himself over stars. You know, there's probably about 30 murders happening. I mean, we're seeing the crime in New York in terms of, you know, there's just street muggings and gang rapes happening all the time. So, like, you know. Well, we know of at least one crime that was going on. Like, how about Flint Marco just escaped from jail? (laughs) Where were you then, Peter? So, you know, Peter, stop thinking with your pecker, as we learn later on in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Pecker. Um, and one question I have for you, because you, you're more into the comic books than I am. Was, is Venom actually born from black ooze from space, or was this creative licensing yeah. for the movie? No, that's how it is. Really, the only change to Venom was making him a photographer. Right. <laughs> uh, but everything else here was exactly the same, even down to the, the, the part that it started with the symbiote attaching itself to Peter and the suit and everything. Okay, all right. I just wanted to clear that up. But, um, I mean, it's the most uh, politest ooze, isn't it? Because, you know, it attaches itself to the bike and then eventually waits like half the movie before it comes out from hiding. Um, but uh, Yeah. Yeah, and why, why don't they... This is a freaking meteorite that has just hit the ground. Like, do they not hear this? I mean, they're in a fucking park. <laughs> like, there's nothing going on except for, I don't know, Peter's boner getting bigger. But, like, there's there's no sound there at all. And they're not his zoom crashing like wow this thing came like hundreds of thousands of light years <laughs> to land here <laughs> and it's just like plop. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so disturbing plop. that's it where's the grass fire this thing was flaming when it entered the atmosphere come on i mean we've seen all these movies and meteorites before like come on <laughs> Is that all that, I, yeah i mean look i i can Keep going, but uh, oh, I've written here shirtless James Franco. Move on. Shirtless James Franco. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's going back to my queerest folk theme from the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to have his turn. Yep. Please tell me I'm not the only one who sees a flaw here that he can run all these experiments. Yeah, it's well. This is this is actually going back to I think our very first episode in Spider Man when I said like it's kind of implied that they seem to have known each other for longer than they actually have. There's this. Mm-hmm. I think it was this film that kind of gave many hints that they've known. It, this is, there's no continuity there. It sounds like they've had this long-standing relationship forever. And it's like, didn't they just only yeah. meet like a few months before the first one? But yeah, it's, you're exactly. right. Like, I mean, how many? So how many years after the first one is this? Like three or four years? And 
He's head of special development, and now he's science genius creating Batman well, suits. <laughs> I would say less, because we know it's about two years between Uncle Ben dying, which is the end of the high school year, and Spider-Man 2. So Peter's two years into college, and he's still in college here, so it would have to be less than two years from part two. Right, and you would assume it's not that, because, I mean, it seems as though the whole, you know, Harry, Peter, Spider-Man thing hasn't happened that long before this film, because, you know, Harry's mm-hmm. still, you know, bent up about it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, we do get something kind of fun coming up here i mean we we it's not going to be aunt may but (laughs) (laughs) so your tune has changed Uh, a lot (laughs) we get thomas hayden church it's lyle Uh, vandegroot it's a it's a what george of the jungle lyle vandegroot come on brendan fraser (laughs) what's going on here I was going to say, like, what, Academy Award nominee Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways? No, I'm talking about um, non-Academy Award nominee from George of the Jungle when he played the antagonist <laughs> in that film, Lyle Vandegroot. Uh, okay, well, George's <laughs> Vander or, or whatever. Lyle Vandegroot. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I remember this guy, like, being in several sitcoms in the 90s. He was in one called Wings. And another one called Ned and Stacy, which is like oh, one of yeah. the most underrated '90s sitcoms. So I love this guy before Sideways ever came out. When Sideways came out, that was like his big comeback, and everyone was like, "Thomas Hayden Church is a serious actor all of a sudden." And he did what any smart actor would do: he would take a huge role in a very respected, critically respected franchise. And let's look at Thomas Hayden Church's career post Spider Man Three. <laughs> Uh, what do we have here? Don McKay. He played Don McKay. Remember that one? Absolutely. Imagine that. Wow. With Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, you know your career's going bad when you're in an Eddie Mo- Eddie Murphy movie post-2000. <laughs> Razzie-winning film all about Steve <laughs> with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> this man started in like every Razzie-nominated film after this. We bought and a zoo. everything else you see in him. <laughs> Daddy's home. We bought a zoo. wasn't too bad. <laughs> it just reminds me of Jimmy Kimmel ripping shit into Matt Damon at the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I feel so bad for him because this movie killed his career, and he's not that bad. And again, it's the material. I, I don't mind him in it, but I used to love Thomas Hayden Church, so I, I am happy he's in this movie, and I do like his performance. Minus, kind of like my complaint with Doc Ock, the way that they write him in overly uh, sympath- make you sympathize with him. But he's Jack, so that's the other interesting. This this you know middle aged Thomas Hayden Church is more Jack than anybody else in this movie, and he's breaking into a little girl's room. <laughs> Just what you want to see open a film before you're even aware this is his daughter, an escaped convict, big muscles breaking into a little girl's bedroom. Who's sick? There's Who's also for- sick. <laughs> you find out later, yeah. But you don't know any of that right away. I mean, maybe it's implied, but it just seems a little bit weird to me here. Uh, he gets to put on the classic shirt. Sam Raimi put Sandman in this movie, it's rumored, because he was a huge fan of Sandman, and he loved the classics by him. That's one of the reasons why Sam Raimi said he was at odds over this movie, because they wanted to go with a lot of the contemporary villains and characters, like Venom. He loved the classic ones. He wanted to use Mysterio. He wanted to use Vulture. He wanted to use Sandman. He fought for Sandman. Uh we get a weeping Thomas Hayden Church. I'm sorry. <laughs> Killing your career. Uh, 
but yeah, he's this is his little girl's room, and there's all these. I I, I think I miss this every single time. But are the letters something he carried with him from prison? All these unopened letters that are there. Yeah, I think they're the you know the whole cliche of clearly he tried to send them to his daughter, but they never were delivered. So I'm guessing they were sent back to him. So uh, and just okay. get, I just or, I really quickly just rant, really jumping into you here. This is going to be quick. I, I discovered in yeah. kind of reading a little bit about this or sort of reading about the mistakes. It was actually in the Everything Wrong with Spider Man Three video that they have on YouTube. But the, the addresses. This is a real nitpick. But the addresses on those letters, like say his prison was like in New Jersey, and then they later on say that he escaped from Rikers, which is in the Bronx. So I just wanted to point that out. That continued. That's a really random thing to nitpick, but I just thought I'd point that out. New York knowledge, not really. Thanks. Everything wrong with Spider Man Three on YouTube. And he took an elevated train to get there. Yeah. So yeah. mistakes. <laughs> well, it's been gang raped and uh, mugged. Uh. <laughs> but I, I like that they put the classic shirt on him here. I don't know why he doesn't bother to change his clothes or why he puts on something that somehow is less conspicuous than the prison uniform he came in wearing. Uh, one mistake I noticed here, I don't know if you could call it a mistake or not, but this is like on the third or fourth floor of a... Third or fourth? <laughs> third or fourth? Third or fourth <laughs> the third or fourth floor of the building. Um, and when the police show up outside, the sirens are right outside the window. So these police cars, these hovering cars from Back to the Future, were only a few years <laughs> off, maybe. Minor thing that nitpicking this. Um, but yeah, it's just a brief introduction to him. And then Peter shows up at Aunt May's house. Oh boy, Aunt May's back. She looks younger. Can I just point out? She's like, Rosemary Harris has aged less. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> You're still like, I hate Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> Rosemary Harris is looking fine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because she has her hair down. She's got the long hair here. It's not up in a bun, mm, short. Yeah, maybe it's a long. Like you're right. It's a long. It doesn't look short anymore. That's why I'm into her. Uh, but we get to see her nice little cheap apartment <laughs> that she sacrificed her house for. <laughs> that poor Henry Jackson made five bucks to lift the sofa into. He probably bought back. a house for five dollars. It was that it's been repossessed so much by the bank. Um, and ever the cheapskate Aunt May, uh, Peter, you know, wants to get married. You know, she gives some nice advice. That, uh, a husband has to put his wife first. Uh, can you do that, Peter? He says, "I think I can." A big flaw of this movie is that that is a question when the only reason Peter ever does anything is if her life is threatened. So I think that's the one indisputable fact is that he puts her first maybe ahead of, like, children yes. that are dropping to their death in the first movie. Gang rapes and everything but, else that's happening in New York. Come on. <laughs> but ever the cheapskate Aunt May gives him the worst <laughs> engagement ring in the history of engagement rings. <laughs> now... I, I asked this to my wife, and maybe she was polite about it, but not even the fact that this ring has to be examined with a microscope, as we see later on by uh, Bruce Campbell, but do you want your future husband, I'm not saying you, Ben, with your future husband. Well, it's Tobey Maguire, are we talking about here? Or? <laughs> to all the women out there, do you want your future husband to propose to you with his aunt's <laughs> really, really cheap ring no <laughs> he's sitting there that i could put this on layaway i want to work for this i want to prove that i love her no i'm gonna give her a hand-me-down from aunt may who pays five bucks to little boys oh. <laughs> to move a house um 
I'll kind of give those two scenes because we're about to get into something big here. But the introduction of Flint Marco, great Thomas Hayden Church, and uh, we're so sorry to have you back, Aunt May. <laughs> I I love Thomas Hayden Church. Um, and look, in all jokes aside about the whole George of the Jungle, you know, Lyle Vandegroot, like that was would have been the very first thing I ever saw him in growing up. You know, because I mean, I was like ten when that movie came out. Um, and he's just one of these ones, like, he's just so memorable as that character in George of the Jungle that you always, it's just that automatic thing. You're always like, oh, it's Lyle from George of the Jungle. But yeah, he's been to heaps of other things. Um, and like, I don't think he does too badly in this film kind of for what he's got. And you, you, interesting how you mentioned about you're not a fan of like the whole sympathizing the, the villain kind of like they did with Doc Ock. I think it works. I'm probably going to put an argument. I think it works better in this film with him. Like it's, I don't know, like it's, it feels less forced. Then, like, the love story with him and, what was it, Milfy Octavius or whatever her name was. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's 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 there already. And, like, he's that real tragic character because, you know, he's just sort of a bad guy still. But what does he have that line when he says, like, I'm not a bad guy, I've just had bad luck. Um, so, I think you feel for him more than you do for Doc Ock. Because, mm. you know, everything he's doing in this film is for his daughter. Um, whereas, you know, Doc Ock just kind of went a bit mad. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do like the fact when he's in that, the kitchen, he becomes a bread thief and he's ripping that bread in half and then he's like, oh no, <laughs> better not steal the bread. My ex-wife just caught me. Um, and, let's... and why is he ripping it? Like, are there no knives there? Because <laughs> he's tough. I'm Lyle Because he's Thomas Hayden Church and he's jacked now. <laughs> um... But it's I let's again point out the ineptness of the NYPD in this situation. They're just <laughs> driving around these streets like so slowly. Why are they driving so slowly? <laughs> like these guys just escaped from prison. <laughs> they assume Spider Man's on the case. Well this is there is seriously so many scenes in this movie, more so than the first two, where it just shows the police and the firefighters are just so like, ah fuck it, Spider Man will fix it. Like, it's mm-hmm. so useless in these films. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, the scene with the daughter. So I do like the, um, I think you mentioned the soundtrack, but, like, this is a score in this film. Like, I do like, he's kind of what, Flint Marco's theme, that real kind of sad-sounding piano yeah. that every, like, that really does add the mood to it. I, I do like that. Um, another thing that was pointed out to me in the Everything Wrong with Spider-Man 3 clip if you actually go back to the Aunt May scene with Peter and look at the clock on the wall, it's quarter past two in the morning. So why the hell has Peter Parker <laughs> showed up to Aunt May's house at 2.15am to be like, I'm proposing to MJ. Oh, how wonderful, Peter. Like, yeah. They, they say it perfectly in that video where they say, Peter Parker's a dick to aunts. <laughs> but, um, look, the ring, like, look, I can see your point. It's a pretty shitty looking ring. But, I mean, this ring is old. This ring, what? 50 years old at least like it's an antique it's probably worth a bit um and it's a sentimentality colin hilding this is what happens in romance like you know you okay. get a sentimental piece like i'm sure like when you're aunt may's age and like 807 and and casper's waking you up at like you know two in the morning say he's proposing to his girlfriend or casper's son or daughter in the future you know your grandchildren there's a thought like, oh, here's the wedding ring I gave Jamie. You know, she's now gone on to marry Hugh Jackman and all these other hunk men because I'm not romantic. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because here's my ring. It's so it's so special to me. Like, you'd be... That's sweet. Okay, but there's a difference, I think, because this is going to be her ring. <laughs> and it's almost like... It's got old lady germs on it. That's what you're trying to imply here. <laughs> <laughs> that's one problem. But, you know, it's like, okay... 
nobody ever does this, but every woman tries to save her wedding dress saying, one day I want my daughter to wear this. That would be like Peter saying, Mary Jane, I want you to wear Aunt May's wedding dress. Like, it's not Mary Jane's aunt. It's not going to mean anything to her. (laughs) The wedding dress, I think, kind of different because, you know, Aunt May probably lost her virginity in that wedding dress. So it's kind (laughs) of... She lost her virginity in that ring, too. Yeah, but, I mean, she's also wiped her ass with that ring. But, like, that's not kind of coming exactly. You don't want to give that to your girlfriend? Put the other ring on layaway. Come on. But if, if we sat around thinking about all the technicalities of things that we own or that have had, that where they have been, like, you know, what is that saying about one in every ten cans of Coke has rat poo in it or something like that? So I don't know. Like... <laughs> You don't want to think about these things sometimes. Anyway, sweet, it's romantic. Shut up, Colin. You don't have romance in your body. I do, and that's sweet. Uh, <laughs> and if Peter Parker was giving me that ring, I'd be on my knees and probably not for the other reason of proposing. But anyway, that was just... <laughs> I need to shut up. Stop talking, Ben. Um, here's one thing that I think everybody was excited about. This is what the franchise was built around is the evil turn of Harry and Harry eventually taking on Peter. I would make the argument, not that this movie has too many villains, but that, because I don't think that Harry's necessarily a villain in it, but I do think this happens a little bit too early in the movie. Uh, Not the fight, but, you know, how much his character transforms really quickly. But the fight scene is okay. The, the, The effects are not, I will say that. Uh, there was a change. John Dykstra, who worked on the original Star Wars movie, did the effects for the first two movies. Uh, this was the only Spider-Man that didn't get nominated for an Academy Award. And it does show because the effects are not nearly as strong this time around. One of the problems I think you see in this fight is that for the first time, we're seeing characters, computer-generated characters, fighting without their masks on. And I think that really wrecks it a little bit throughout this entire movie. But the fight scene is fun. I like a lot of the spinning shots between them. Um, I love that he's chasing the ring. This is probably one of the few moments where Sam Raimi still has like that clever visual style that he had uh, in the the second one especially. Uh, And this is what I was waiting to see. So I still do enjoy this. And in a way, I wish that this had been the whole movie. Uh, It would have been in a perfect world, even though I'm going to defend having three villains in this, in a perfect world, if this were just... Peter versus Harry, this would have been a great movie. That would have been an, another alternate way to edit this. Just edit out the Sandman. Edit out Venom, even. But I like this dynamic, and I wish they kept this up. Um, the fight basically happens. You know, Peter does rescue the ring, and Harry falls and gets a scratch on his head that somehow wipes out four years of his life. <laughs> He's rushed to the emergency room. Uh, when we do find him in the emergency room, he... <laughs> Basically, has reverted to being a child, it almost seems like. He's like, hey, there's my best friends. Hi, guys, want to play? Like, oh, you got me up later on. You got me up basketball. Like, Sam Raimi does not understand. He, he's the guy who's made these movies, and yet these characters aren't written in any way like they're written in the first two movies. It's like you just wrote a different character and then said, oh, let's just make that Harry. There's nothing to resemble Harry here. Uh, but, you know, the amnesia thing, I think it's cheap. I don't like Anything that happens after this with Harry, uh, I would have rather the fight and him had amnesia and maybe still be questioning Peter because the timeline doesn't match up here, which I'll uh, point out later, but his timeline of amnesia doesn't even match up. Um, if the last thing he like, my father did die, so he still kind of remembers his father dying. Shouldn't the personality we get from Harry here be 
the Spider-Man 2 Harry where he's a capitalist, uh, he's really pompous, arrogant, flashy, and angry. And instead, we get this happy-go-lucky guy that he wasn't even like at the age of 17. It just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I like the fight scene. I don't like the amnesia stuff. Just, uh, you did say that this film wasn't nominated for an Academy Award, but it was nominated for a Kids' Choice Award for Favourite Movie Actress <laughs> for Kirsten Dunst. So... <laughs> of all the actors to nominate. I know, right? Like, it got made up for it. Um, yeah, it's interesting with with Harry in this film, because it's very... I'm up and down with him. I'm, you know, like, I, I don't mind it when he's, like, megalomaniac evil. Like, you know, the, the scene... Like, there's really cheesy stuff that's, like, you know, James Franco somehow handles it very well. Like, the the cafe scene that I'm jumping way ahead. You know, like, it's it's so badly done and cheesy, but there's just something I like about the way James Franco does the so good, like, with the cake. Um, but Strawberry. You know, but, like, it's just... it's Anyway, we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, this fight, it, it does... It sort of comes out of nowhere, and that's... I, I think a lot of what... The few things that I maybe don't like a whole lot in this film is, yeah, just a lot of stuff seems random. It just happens. And, I mean, I like this fight. I'm not saying I don't like this fight. But it's just, you know, here he is. tra la la Just visited my aunt at quarter past two in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know, gave me a shitty ring, um, according to Colin. And, <laughs> and then, for some reason, Harry knows where he is at that point and just attacks him. Cool. Nobody notices this. Like, you know, that random evil guy just picked up that geeky kid on the moped. <laughs> like, again, mm-hmm. New Yorkers just not giving a shit about anything at these moments. But the fight is... The thing I found with the special effects in this film, it's that some of it is so good. It's so great. But there are some moments where you're like, well, that looks a bit off. Um, it's, yeah. just, it's just kind of a mixture, like, of the, you know, the first two films. And it's it's interesting how that sort of didn't keep up. But, I mean, how... When he gets... When Harry injects himself with the green stuff or whatever, like... Is it, again, similar to, to Peter Parker's Spider-Man? Do they get super strength that we don't know about? Because, I mean, for God's sakes, he's dead. Like, he hit his head on that <laughs> thing and fell from a height. and He is dead. So, he clearly, what? that green stuff in his body protects him that he can only have a bump on his head. Like, fuck off. If he's yeah. not dead, he's got he's got brain damage. He's got crushed bones. Like, <laughs> let, me, let me spoil a complaint from later on that maybe this super healing thing would make sense of because we do see peter get stabbed and not even care maybe that was the symbiote or maybe that was the black suit but harry has a bomb go off in his face and as far as we know a week and a half later it looks like it's healed three years worth yeah yeah (laughs) so maybe there is some type of healing ability here yeah possibly possibly um one thing i have never been a fan of in it's not just this film it's in tv shows it's anything i think it's just a cheap lazy plot device that is amnesia like it it just very rarely works um you know i know you and i have talked about something like 24 before in season one with terry and just like yeah it's not something that i ever like see i hate this i hate him losing his you know memory conveniently and then it's all, yeah, like, oh, I'm a little child, my best friends. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, just all <laughs> join hands and think, oh, we're best friends, yay! Like, it's just, it's, and you know, for somebody who's acting like a kid, the fact that he wants to mack it on with MJ, and it's like he's the horniest child that ever exists. <laughs> um, 
was kind of interesting you saying about like the bad writing and what you know Tom McGuire was like James Franco is all over the place in this film <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. and he's a future Academy Award nominee so um I did notice though that like initially when you know Peter's waiting in the hospital and he's all like worried for him then that was it a nurse or the doctor says like oh you can go in and see him it's like oh no I shouldn't it's like, oh no 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 go in and see him <laughs> then MJ shows up then you got bitch nurse comes along and says no you gotta go you gotta scoot it's like um the other doctor just said we could come in here fuck off <laughs> I I want to see them walk in there and all of a sudden Bernard's over his <laughs> body and it's like what are you doing this is a hospital I'm cleaning his wounds <laughs> that's my job <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a girlfriend, sir. <laughs> You're my girlfriend. <laughs> we only have each other. <laughs> I loved you like I loved your father. <laughs> <laughs> he has all the good lines in this, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have nothing really else to, to add. I mean, seriously, for somebody who just got absolutely the shit beaten out of I will say, though, like, it's, it's fun to kind of see um, Peter Parker doing the whole Spider-Man thing in just a suit. You know, like, flying around with his tie, brushing and all this sort of stuff. The, the ring thing is so cheesy, though, isn't it? Like, you know, it's it's funny, it's, it's kind of light, but it's also, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, see, that's what's strange, because that's one of the few things I liked, and it's like, I don't find the action scenes to be nearly as entertaining as what we see in the first two. Uh, and that's one of the things that made me a little bit more interested in this. I don't know why. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, it's... It's it's kind of just one of those things where you're like, uh, it's, you know, but I just think it's very cheesy. But, yeah, um, yeah. I don't really have much to add. As I said, amnesia plot lines are just, uh, they're cheap. It's just like, oh, it was all a dream. Like, come on. One other note I made here, and I know you complained about this in the first one. Uh, I know it's like 2.15 in the morning or probably at this point 3.15, 4.15 in the morning. But how is it that they have this massive fight tearing apart New York City and there's not a single person on the road, on a balcony, in an alley. Like, nobody's there. And but all the lights are on inside the apartment. And also... Like, if it's that late at night, the lights would be out. And, like, nobody's dying on the streets from debris. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like there's a well, homeless man who just got crushed by a brick. Like, there, there, <laughs> I think there's more in this film than the other two of cases of... People were dying in the background there from debris. And, yeah. like, the NYPD willy-nillingly firing in the sky again. Like, you know, no wonder crime can go up. It's the police and Spider-Man that are killing people with the crime. Like, they're exactly. committing the crimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on here, I split these up for a reason, because I, I do find it kind of awkward, the two Sandman transformations uh, in the middle of this fight. But we had, right before that fight scene, the first half where Flint is escaping from the police and he goes into this secret facility where they're doing the most top-secret, dangerous experiment right in the middle of a field that anybody could jump into and they don't notice the sirens, the dogs, or anything there. He falls into this pit that they're doing some weird experiment with sand. (laughs) And uh, the next morning... (laughs) What is this? It's, let's see if we can create the world's biggest blender. I don't know. That's all this is, really This is, this is like, me. this is just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, I just, this, the whole thing, I just don't get it. It's like three in the morning, let's just spin sand around and then they don't even check what's happened afterwards. Like, what's the point yeah. of this? <laughs> when, when police are there going, oh, somebody fell in. <laughs> Like, you guys got a lawsuit on your hands. Like, I'd have people all over there. <laughs> the the um, police in this film didn't say that, though. Let's be honest. They've just gone, oh, well, 
He's dead. Let's move on. Let's not tell anyone. La, 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 la. Well, I guess we don't have to look for him anymore. Win. Yay. Let's go back to watching the sky waiting for Spider-Man. And they're all like, ooh, wow. (laughs) Uh, But the second half where he comes out, um, yeah, I'm not a fan of, you know, making him overly sympathetic, but I will agree with you. The music really helps here. Uh, the sad music as he's transforming. The effects here are great mm-hmm. because they start on like a single grain of sand and then zoom out. It's yeah. not one of these things where you're like, oh, that looks fake. I mean, you, you really get to see the whole thing. Does his power make any sense that... <laughs> I know he could reform, but that he can reform and change his color. I mean, if he reforms and the color comes out in his t-shirt, couldn't he technically just transform into anything he wants? <laughs> Doesn't really make sense, uh, but I like the locket going through his hand. It's a nice little sad moment, and you know, you get his music just sort of building. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, oh, he can grab something now. This is an evil power. He's going to be the villain. Uh, he can use. It's kind his of hands. a fun transformation, <laughs> <laughs> which I got complaints coming up later on with what he can do with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I like the Sandman transformations. Uh, I'm not going to knock this too hard. I. Like the Sandman villain, I like the Sandman villain like in the animated series. I don't think he's a character that's used as much in the comics, at least not a lot of the more modern ones for a reason, because it doesn't really make sense. It is cheesy. Uh, Sam Raimi put this whole backstory in here because in the comics he was simply just your generic bank robber. I would have rather had, in, in a movie where it's all about everybody else supposedly redeeming themselves, even though they don't at all, Peter doesn't, Mary Jane doesn't, <laughs> uh, Harry doesn't, <laughs> Bernard, maybe, but not any of the others. <laughs> I did, Colin. <laughs> but you don't need a sympathetic villain. Uh, having said that, I like this moment uh, with the music and the locket. Uh, I just would have rather, if they made him villainous later on, have it make sense. Because I don't think anything that happens after this really makes sense. You said, well, he's doing this for his daughter. We're barely reminded of that. And there's much better ways he could do it. Uh, I'll get to that once we get to the next action scene. It's, um, is Spider-Man, like, it, I find interesting kind of through these films, and I guess, again, because not one for the comics, but, like, generally, a superhero will have that one villain that's, like, their arch nemesis, you know, like Batman and the Joker and Superman and Lex Luthor, you know, like, they've got that one that's, you know, and they've got all the other ones. Like, is, is Spider-Man's main arch nemesis the Green Goblin, or does he just have so many that he just doesn't have that one main one? I, I'd say, I mean, they picked the right two for the first two movies, because it probably is the Green Goblin and Doc Ock. I don't know if he really would have one big one, because you would have other people who grew up in the 90s all say, well, of course it's Venom, but maybe those three as the big three ones, which might be another reason why the Sandman doesn't quite fit as well. Right, okay. I, I mean, I like the Sandman. It's it's kind of an interesting idea for a, for a villain. Um, but again, I, I'm probably going to be with you. Like, There's so many things, though, with his abilities. It's like, well why can't he do this and why can he do this? <laughs> like, it's just, it's kind of, there's no flat-out sort of con- continuity with what he can and can't do. I mean, he basically just turns into the smoke monster from Lost. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what? where's he going? What's he doing? Just living in the sewers and, you know, like, I mean, at one point he cries, doesn't he? Like, at the end of the movie, like, well, where were those tear ducts before? Like, he's sand. Water's, like, destroying him and now he can cry? Like, yeah, exactly. What? His tears should be killing him right now. <laughs> and how come every time he reforms, like, 
the clothes are there. Like, I mean, <laughs> the sand obviously got in the particles of his body. We kind of see that cool, like, fusion. Can they fuse with, like, cotton and, like, the material of his clothes? <laughs> yeah. Like, how? Shouldn't he be just naked Thomas Hayden Church, like, going around? Yeah. Uh, anyway, something you're picking at, Ben. It's a superhero film. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I just love the fact you can't go back to my point. Physics testing facility. Why? What's... Who's... Like, I don't... I watched The Big Bang Theory. I don't see Sheldon and Leonard doing, like, spinning things with sand. <laughs> like, what is this achieving? And that guy who's like... Oh, there's something that's disturbing it. Oh, it's probably just a bird. It will fly away. They've got yeah, so much exactly. concern. They've got a fucking pit in the middle of the ground. Like, people could be following this all the time. Half the NYPD could be in that ground. Oh, it's just a bird. <laughs> and, and second of all, this probably isn't the first time we've tested this. How many sand birds are there out there <laughs> that are terrorizing the other birds of New York City? Sand bird. <laughs> Uh, I do love the the fact that uh, Thomas Hayden Church gets the ability of the shark from Jaws 4 and for some reason just roars a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> and where is vocal cords? Where is the air coming from? Like, all these things are human anatomy that you can't form out of sand. <laughs> and I get, you know, it's a cartoon, or it was a cartoon, it was a comic book. <laughs> But there are certain things that won't translate live action, so you have to change it. So, Sam Raimi, you shouldn't have been so stubborn. Yep, yep. Uh, so, we, this is the only one. We, we're not doing the next bit with the truck, or have I, am I jumping ahead there? Uh, you mean the crane? Uh, the crane. Uh, uh, what am I thinking of here? I don't yeah, know. that'll come. Uh, the, the one, actually, the one bit I wanted to say here. Thomas Hayden is a dick. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church is a dick to dogs. He just punches dogs. <laughs> like, those dogs that come <laughs> up and are chasing him. He's just, you know, ah, punch, ah! <laughs> you know, not, a, not a good film if you're a fan of animals, I feel. Birds are getting turned into sand. Dogs are getting punched by Lyle Vandergroot. <laughs> uh, the next scene, we'll get into this. So Mary Jane comes home. I found the timeline of this to be so confusing because, as I said, there's certain things like how quickly Harry heals at the end of the movie that would lead you to believe weeks have passed. But time and time again here, you realize what normally in a regular movie would be days later is hours later. Like, it's crazy to think that everything we saw in, like, the first half an hour of this movie was one night. That, that you know, from Peter showing up at the play all the way through Harry in the hospital through the next morning, that's, like, 24 hours is where we're at at this point in the movie. <laughs> and yet it feels like there's maybe way too much to have happened in that time period. Um because Mary Jane's coming back and it's the next day's reviews. And this feels like it should have been like a week later based on the story. But the review, I like the, the way that she reads it. Uh, Miss Watson is easy on the eyes, but not on the ears. <laughs> Her small voice didn't carry past the first row. And here's one of the, the lines that was really good where Peter's like, that's ridiculous. I was right there. She goes, Peter, you are in the first row. <laughs> Uh, apparently I'm the only one who no, look, I'm laughing, I am i just uh, not as hard yeah. as you uh. <laughs> uh, He goes on more of his vain rant about You know, when Spider-Man gets bad publicity And of course, he's got the police scanner So he's got to run off um, I wrote here British photographer. Can you explain to me, was there a British photographer in this next screen scene? Yeah, the, the guy oh, with the, the long yeah. hair with the, co- the photocopier bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, make love to that photocopy. I don't know if I'm doing French, but <laughs> I want you to make love to it. He's uh, still French. Huh? He's Italian. <laughs> he's, he's Italian. He's French. I can do anything but British, apparently. Hello, chaps. <laughs> just just get on the photocopier. <laughs> you dirty little girl. 
<laughs> when I shot Chubby Poolin on the photocopy. <laughs> Uh, listen to the off the podium. <laughs> Jumpy Pullen. <laughs> oh, Chumpy, sorry, not Chumpy Pullen. You still can't I get his name right. Chunder Chumpo and <laughs> Poorang um, and Boorang. But... <laughs> Jokes you'll only get if you listen to the best of off the podium, also available on the Oz Network. <laughs> uh, I wrote British Photographer for a reason because... We see later on, there's a lot of British people working in New York City exclusive. That's why, no, that's why Noah's not on these. He hates them. Fancy <laughs> <laughs> British men. Listen to 007, also available on the <laughs> This Sorry to say, we do have sponsors now. It's just our other shows. Yes, so, sponsored listen, by other shows we host. <laughs> listen to two minutes for commercials about your Oz vision. Currently <laughs> running on the Oz <laughs> And don't forget the qualifying lap. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the British photographer is a little bit over the top. I don't know what he's telling her about photocopiers. Do you have the line? You you seem to remember that. Uh, I've written so. I, what did you, I've written. It's like ride that photocopier, baby. <laughs> I've got a secret. It's my copier. That's all I've written down yeah. here. <laughs> 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 is that a really bad innuendo? Like, this feels like um, uh, Sam Raimi, Mr. 70-year-old man. He's going to get older as his podcast. <laughs> so out of touch, he's like, what is an innuendo that the kids are going to get for sex? <laughs> Photocopy sex. <laughs> uh, but we're introduced, I guess, to the second time, since she briefly appeared earlier, to Gwen Stacy. Here's a character had no reason to be in the movie other than hey, let's include as many characters as we possibly can. This is a character who existed before Mary Jane. A lot of fans were like, maybe they should have used Gwen Stacy first and told that story and then brought in Mary Jane. It makes no sense to have her in here other than the fact that you want to have a character that breaks up this couple. But she's a model here. And uh, a crane is running wild outside, and surprisingly, the inept NYPD did not at any point say, there's a crane out of control 20 feet from this high-rise building. Can you start evacuating your upper floors? <laughs> <laughs> so they just leave it. But Spider-Man comes in for the save. Uh, there are some cool visuals with uh, uh, Gwen Stacy falling from the building and him diving to rescue her. Uh, we get introduced to Captain Stacy here. Uh, James Cromwell, another one of the great actors that had no business being in this movie. Uh, how is James Cromwell perceived in Australia? You have to tell me this. Oh, he's highly revered because he's Farmer Hoggett, um, you know, in Babe. Exactly. So, yeah, of course, we, we, we love him here. But, yeah, he's, I mean, look, this guy is the, the chameleon of acting, isn't he? I mean, he's, you know, he can play Farmer Hoggett. He can play Jack Bauer's dad. He can play... You know, the Queen's husband, he can play, um, who was he, George W. Bush's dad in W, <laughs> like George Bush Sr., yeah. like, this guy can be anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's well-liked here in Australia. We like James Cromwell. Yeah, I, I was wondering whether an American starring in, like, the highest-grossing Australian movie of the decade, or at least internationally, would be perceived as a good thing, so I'm glad, because I love James Cromwell. Um I don't know why he's in this movie. It was such a big deal. I remember when they announced this cast, and it was one of those things where just when you're leading into it, you get excited. You're like, wow, they've got Topher Grace. They've got uh, James Crowley. <laughs> don't stop it. Come back to that. Let's go on the esteemed actors in Spider-Man 3. You'd never lead with Topher Grace. Look, 
at the time, Topher Grace was kind of a big deal. Like a two-minute period in the noughties, all right? There was just well, this bl- brief moment of time where people were like, yeah, Topher Grace is a thing. Then it just quickly went away more than Mary Jane has men in a minute. So, like, come on. He did have... Okay, I'm going to defend Topher Grace not for... I hated that 70s show. Um, I didn't even like him on that show. But he had a movie a couple years earlier. His, I guess it would have been his breakout movie role with Dennis Quaid called In Good Company. I can still watch that movie like every single year if I want. It's a fantastic movie. That's the type of role that I think he's good for. Uh, not so much of this. But he, he was at the time somebody that people were looking at saying, you know, he, he, we loved him in that 70s show. He was good in that uh, movie with Dennis Quaid in Good Company. He's a potential movie star. And just like Thomas Hayden Church... <laughs> This killed his future career. Uh, but people were getting excited because I was one of the ones getting excited. They got Topher Grace. They got Bryce Dallas Howard. They got James Cromwell. All these new actors for all these famous characters. You're like, wow, this movie's going to be, be so great because it has so much in it. There's no pur- As much as I say there is no purpose for Gwen Stacy being in this movie, there's no purpose for Captain Stacy being in this movie. He has like three scenes and none of them have any relevance that you could have made this Captain uh, Johnny Applesauce. <laughs> what a what a great captain he was. <laughs> Love him. Captain, captain Johnny Applesauce in the thirty second precinct or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I want to write my own comic book now. Captain Johnny Applesauce. <laughs> You, you, you probably he say formed... somebody with that name would do better than most of the police in this film. <laughs> he, was, he was in a physics experiment involving apples, and then we can morph into applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be a better villain. <laughs> okay, so no purpose for him being in this movie. Uh, I normally will say I'm not a big fan of Dennis Leary. I'm normally a big fan of uh, James Cromwell. Between these two, I mean, Dennis Leary takes the Captain Stacy role like, oh, hands down. Far, you want to talk far. about, yeah, Toby versus Garfield, nothing. Like, this is Dennis Leary, hands down. And he doesn't have that much more to do in the next movie. It, it, again, it's just the material. So, not too happy with uh, <laughs> the use of James Cromwell here. Um but yeah, I mean, he he rescues her, and Eddie Brock is introduced. He's shooting pictures there. Uh, he has that line. Uh, it's like, uh, I'm a photographer, and I'm dating your daughter. <sighs> we find out later on just how creepy he is with this. Uh, and he has the brief moment with Spider-Man. It's like, oh yeah, the other guy's pictures make you fat. I don't mind that. I don't like this being a way of writing the Eddie Brock character kind of, you know, as comic relief. Uh, but I like Topher Grace. <laughs> Sorry, oh. Ben. Just not in this role, as I'm going to say for everybody here. Um, let's go into the next scene so we can talk about something happy at least. <laughs> Jay Jonah is back. This is the second part of it. Yeah. Uh, and we have Sam Raimi's brother here, co-screenwriter of Ooh, the <laughs> contributor of the Ooh of the Ooh Wow monologue. <laughs> Star from uh, Ooh, I want to take you. His... <laughs> Listen to Off the Podium by the Oz Network. Uh, But here we get some of his brilliant writing as he pitches the new slogan for the Daily Bugle. It's hip. It's now. Wow. And how. (laughs) What is this? That actually is probably one of the most realistic things I've seen from newspapers in this field. That's probably something they would do. (laughs) 
and just as out of touch as everything else in this. Uh, here's my favorite scene of this entire movie. Stress management with <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> He's getting ready to yell every time. And it's like, oh, don't, take, don't forget your blood pressure. And the way Betty Brad plays off is like, I want a movie. I honestly, I think I said this with the first one. I feel like Sam Raimi filled this movie out with a lot of great actors who could do a lot with very little. And putting like J.K. Simmons and Elizabeth Banks in this to play off of each other. This could have just been improv for all I know. It's better than the stuff that's written in the rest of this movie. But the whole, not that one. <laughs> He's just stressed out. Like, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> uh this is hilarious. Uh, and then, yeah, Eddie Brock, you're, you're, he's the one you hired last week. Uh. Um, you hired him last week, but I remember, we didn't bring it up, but I remember in part one or two they mentioned, oh, yeah, Brock's out on an assignment, so get Parker to do this. So Was he, was he the society photographer? Was he that one or no? I think that's what it was, yeah. It was either that or No, society photographer one, got hit in the head with a polo ball. Never mind, never mind. Yeah, so it was probably part one. They mentioned Brock's on assignment. Oh, Peter, you do this or whatever, or we'll Could use have been him. his brother but or yeah. you know, Eddie Brock Senior. <laughs> like, is he the second or junior <laughs> or something? He's, he's second generation. Yeah. Uh, disgraced photographer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love when he doesn't get his name right here when Peter comes with the pictures. Buckner beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other name he calls him? He gives him the second name of Burn Burn yeah, Dean or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Um, is there a Stanley cameo here? I don't know if this is in the same scene. Somewhere I don't remember. Um, well, I, I don't know. That's in there somewhere, isn't it? When he's looking up at the no, that's because he finds that he's getting the key to the city. That's when he looks up in Times Square and he sees the the ticket oh, thing yeah. getting to the city. And that's when Stanley's like, <laughs> all right, I'll cover the Stanley in the next one since we just talked about it. But yeah, Buckner B. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> this scene is gold. I wish it would go on for the full two hours. It's it's. I actually did go back and find the uh, the Jonah Jameson scene when he's Spider Man. I I actually <laughs> found it on YouTube. It's funny. It's so I've never seen that before. Like, why did they take that out of the movie? Like, come on. Why didn't they edit it into this one to fix this? That, that would... I should do that in my end. Do it. Do it. Um, going right back to MJ and Peter in the apartment. I love how you said, like, oh, Peter kind of is selfish and turns it into, you know, about his comparison. He's simply comparing it. Are you not blind to see how selfish MJ is? She literally utters the line, it's not about you, it's about me. <laughs> like, fuck you, MJ. Fuck you. <laughs> you are so selfish. You got one bad review. Okay. I'm sure it's yeah. a bad thing. But, like, Peter Parker literally every night puts his life on the line to save children and babies from burning buildings from mothers who don't actually have babies. Um, yeah. You know, he's always going to please you to have webs in the sky to go, ooh, ah. And you get <laughs> one bad review. It's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> well, okay, I, I see this from both of their sides here. Um, I, I do understand what you're saying because Peter has had the worst press you could imagine. He's been called a thief, a crook, a murderer, everything under the sun. So he probably does know how you feel. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, it is her... Th this is the only success she's had in her life. Peter's had a but, little bit more. But, but that's 
bullshit. She's hot. She automatically gets success because she gets laid every three seconds. Like even the <laughs> even the place the critic says she's easy on the eye but not on the ears. Like I'm sorry, I feel yeah. no sympathy for good-looking people because when they complain. <laughs> Oh, it's such a hard life. You've got literally people saying you're good looking. How much free shit do you get? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you're the one who decided to date below your level of attractiveness. You've gone. I'm not saying Toby Parker and Peter Parker's unattractive, but on the grand social scheme of things, the hot chick does not date the nerd. A, that is your own fault, Mary Jane, all right? You've decided to stop sucking other people's off for, like, five seconds, and you've gone to the nerd. And then for you to be like, oh, it's not about you, it's about me. Like, shut up! (laughs) Uh, Ben really has no sympathy for attractive people. like... We, we have a burden, us attractive people. Uh- <laughs> I was going to say, Ben, you know, I understand you have a lot of resentment, but not all attractive people are like her. Some like me are <laughs> genuine nice people. Um, As an attractive person, speaking to an unattractive person, Ben, let me tell you, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. It makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> so, and we, then when he, I love it when he goes to jump out the window and he's like, Go get him, Tiger. And she just kind of looks at him. <laughs> Fucking bitch. Just, ugh. And then she goes away. Like, she leaves. Like, doesn't even wait for him. You know? And she's complaining about the door. Oh, you know, I can't open the door. Shut up. <laughs> like, why did you come over in the first place? Just shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, the whole crane sequence. This is kind of one of those things that, like, a lot of people died in this process. That crane is ripping out offices above and below the Gwen Stacy office. There are, like, secretaries and other office workers who are, like, crushed a bit oh, yeah. by this crane. But, oh, as long as the captain's daughter's saved, who cares about yeah. random civilians? <laughs> ben has no sympathy on her because she's attractive. That's the real issue here. <laughs> no, look, look, she I, could die. What about all the ugly secretaries? I, I much prefer Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, she went on to be Claire in Jurassic World. Like, come on, now we've got to like Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> She was the lady in the water. Exactly, exactly. We're apparently talking about that film now. Um. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this completely off topic here, but if you have your die another day, Lady in the Water is one movie I will defend to the death. I love Lady in the Water. Wow. We, we really are losing listeners with our film choices sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um it's, it's, I mean, look, and let's be honest, this is the film of coincidences. Like, you know, there's a few coincidences in Spider-Man 1. There's a few coincidences in Spider-Man 2. But okay, then. So we just happen to be in New York City, a city of 10 million people, where this woman, who just happens to be Gwen Stacy, is in having a photo shoot, who just then happens to have her father be the captain of police show up, who then just happens to have her boyfriend, or the guy, creepy guy who had one date with her show up. Like, seriously, <laughs> how coincidental is this? his film um, yeah but like uh, this is a question for you which did it better with the crane sequence uh spider-man 3 or was it in amazing spider-man 1 or 2 i can't even remember that like the crane uh sequence it was the first amazing spider-man isn't it like, uh, the... oh where he's swinging from oh yeah amazing spider-man 1 that that's one of my favorite parts of the movie okay. i love that right i knew there was another yeah. crane sequence uh, in one of these uh, <laughs> i forgot to talk about the biggest mistake in Spider-Man 2 last week. Uh Uh-oh. And that involves cranes. (laughs) So I'm going to go back to that now. (laughs) Oh, oh, we're into the cranes here. I'm excited. (laughs) Cranes are all over Spider-Man movies. Cranes are awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Cranes get more action than Mary Jane. Like, oh, <laughs> man, come on now. That's stretching it. <laughs> okay, at the end of Spider-Man 2, we should we should just edit this into the Spider-Man 2 episode <laughs> as if it wasn't long enough already. The end of Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock's thing, his blob of the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, um, is so powerful that it's pulling police cars off the street. And yet, dangling right above this, right as Peter and Mary Jane make their getaway and the entire wooden structure is somehow sucked in... <laughs> Every crane is motionless that hangs directly above this. Those cranes would have been the first things pulled in. True. Minor complaint, but yeah, big plot hole. Wow. Do we have anything to say on that? Or no, I just, I just kind of was thinking about it in my head. But yes, no, you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Not only am I unattractive, I'm dumb. I'm going, oh, man, there was a crane. Um, <laughs> you're like, cranes? Ma- the bird? or Magnets. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this, the thing too, like, again, the ineptness of the NYPD, the FDMY, there's literally firefighters on the street staring at this crane thing happening. Why aren't they yeah. in that building trying to say, like, have they just gotten, <laughs> they never go in they're just so lazy. The emergency services there when New York <laughs> Spider-Man showed up. Like, again, what is happening on these nights? He's like doing Mary Jane in the, the webs in the park. Like, are they just going, oh, yeah. Spider-Man's going to show up any minute? They literally show up to burning buildings, see people getting burnt alive oh don't worry spider-man will be here any minute he's coming he's coming oh shit he didn't come you're dead all right (laughs) just watching um so yeah i mean the whole sequence is interesting sure but it's again there's just so many people dying in the background of all this debris falling on the street and the the onlookers are too calm in this film as well like the end sequence you know with this taxi in the web and then this bit like they're just like going like oh look there's a there's a crane ripping buildings apart here like <laughs> we saw New Yorkers reaction during 9/11 come on they're they're terrified are they just that yeah. used to disaster now that they're just like oh another building's getting ripped apart okay <laughs> like, I'm not trying to laugh about 9-11 here. I'm just saying their reactions are just way too calm ben, ben has no sympathy for attractive people or the emergency services of New York City. Uh, I want that on record. <laughs> I, I just want to point out, I am literally sitting here recording this episode wearing an NYPD hoodie. So you know that I like the emergency services exactly. in New York. <laughs> Does it say third watch on the back? No, it doesn't. It just says NYPD, New York City Police Department with the logo. I'll, I'll write that on the okay. back in texter. Um, um, I absolutely. Yeah, before I get that, I just got to mention Topher Dope Face. Like, like, <laughs> oh, like, first of all, he looks like he should be in like an early 2000s boy band with his stupid blonde tips and his. Yeah, I don't know hair. what they were doing with the hair. Yeah, like I mean, come on, this is two thousand and seven, all right, not two thousand and one. Uh, and like, it's just oh, it's just nothing. I I hate him and I hate his character. Just the way he shows up and he's just like, again, this is supposedly his girlfriend that he loves after one coffee date. He's too calm. He's just like, oh, look, it's Gwen. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm dating your daughter. Like, for somebody who gets so pissed off in this film over two minor little things, like, at least all the other villains kind of have a lot more to get pissed off about. He literally is some depressed emo kid who had one girl went on a date with him who didn't want to go out with a date with him, and then the fact that a kid, his rival co-worker, who he was the biggest fucking douche to in the first place, gets him rightfully fired... (laughs) 
He just takes his panties in a twist over nothing. I have nothing good to say about him at all. So just his, his reveal here. He's like, oh, great. He's this guy. I forgot about Topher Grace. Um, <laughs> and then the, yeah, like everything you said, Jamison, like, oh, my God. It's just the, you know, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> And just the way he's so calm, like, when he first picks up the phone, he's like, you... And what does he start yelling? He's like, and he's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, J.K. Simmons. What a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, like, doofy face grace man, when he rocks in there with Betty Brant, he's all like... Betty, Betty, poor Betty. What is this again? This is again 1950s. Like, I know, it's so long, Sam turned into uh, my girl all of a sudden. I won't even call it Colkin to get stuck <laughs> by bees. <laughs> but yeah, that, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add there. The, the whole start, like I love how, you know, Peter kind of stands up for himself. Like if there's a staff job, I should get it. And the, the guy, the, the assistant guy that I really like, he's like, you're right, he's been working here for years. Yeah. <laughs> so, that guy has such great delivery. Who like, is he? Uh, I like really him. About him. Yeah, we've not talked about I- him at all. Yeah, um, we got to find his name eventually and tweet him or something. <laughs> I think he's a Bill... Uh, Joseph Robbie Robertson, is that he? The actor Bill Nunn? Am I looking at the right yeah. character? Yep. Yeah, Bill Nunn. Which, let's be honest, he should be Bill Moore because there's... <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad segue. <laughs> Can we just tweet him, Bill Nunn, we need Bill Moore. <laughs> Thank you for Spider-Man. <laughs> He's been in lots. He was in Canadian Bacon. He was. Hang on a minute. I knew I recognize him. He's the dude in Canadian Bacon that hangs out with John Candy and the other guy that goes on the road trip with them. He's the one who's kind of like I always have- talking about, like, he's like, oh, the black guy always dies first. You know, Jurassic Park, there were two of them, like, when they're around the campfire. Him. There you go. I haven't seen that. Oh, Maybe that we'll is a, that it. is an amazing movie. Anyway, sorry, I'm excited yeah. now. I love Bill uh, Nunn. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say something here about Topher Grace before we move on. Mm. One of the, and I'm not. I, I, I like him. I, I don't even mind him so much as moment moments here. He's miscast. It's not his fault. He does what he can with it. Uh, there's something with superhero movies in the this era that they've gotten away from now where they felt they had to be so literal to the comics in the appearance and to, to points where it doesn't look natural and you mentioned his hair the hair looks really bad and they were just trying to make him blonde like eddie brock is in the comics well you can just make the character Topher Grace with dark hair. You don't have to literally make him blonde because he's also about 100 pounds short on muscle from what Eddie Brock is supposed to be like. And they didn't get that literal. And this is the problem I had in the Fantastic Four movies where they're like, we got Jessica Alba. Let's give her blue contact lenses that look completely unnatural, almost demonic, which they did with Jennifer Garner in the Daredevil movie. Oh, well, Elektra had blue eyes. Let's give her blue contacts that look unnatural and demonic. Don't be so literal that you make your character look fake just to try to make it look like the character. Rant over. Let's move on. Anything Unless you have anything to Grace, you're not, not going to have me complaining. <laughs> hashtag Tova Grace well, is a douche. <laughs> we have something coming up that Ben's going to be very happy about, and that's the return of Bernard. Yay! Welcome home, Harry. <laughs> This film just awkward got interesting. <laughs> the most awkward hug in the history of film. <laughs> um, yeah, th- 
the the welcome home scene is this the one where we get the basketball? I didn't make the note or not. Yeah. Where he yeah, yeah this, he gets the basketball, he knocks it over. Yeah, this is the the whole. This is kind of like an inkling that they've known each other for longer than they apparently do. Like, oh, remember yeah. during high school when we tried out for the team and how bad we were? It's like you knew him for like how long before high school? Like what? Yeah, we're we're made to believe at the beginning of Spider Man One that Harry has just arrived at this school and it's close to the end of the school year. Um. But yeah, Bernard has a quick scene. He's going to have much better ones later on. They really made him a star in this movie. They I just did. have to say that. They did. Uh, the parade coming up, or after MJ getting fired. So MJ getting fired was great. <laughs> you laughing at her getting fired. <laughs> you had a life disappointment <laughs> moment. <laughs> it's not her getting fired. It's the little things in the background. Maybe there's some good script stuff. Or I'm just Anytime there's a good line in this, I'm going to assume it's ad lib from somebody. Um, the guys that fire her, they're like, what? the agent should have called her and then all of a sudden they're like I'm sorry but we've replaced you and as they walk away one guy says to the other guy that was really poorly handled (laughs) 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 so it was a back and forth with those two guys but yeah there's the parade Um, no Macy Gray we get a (laughs) no Macy Gray this time just a marching band playing Spider-Man quick scene with Flint diving into a truck here's where all the powers go terribly wrong uh, the police shoot at him here. Now, a locket goes through his hand, and he has no feeling. A bullet goes through him as well, and he's like, Oh! oh stop shooting, Sandman! How is he feeling this going through him? I want that line. Stop shooting, Sandman! <laughs> he's just... Anytime he turns to the Sandman, he needs to revert into, like, a... A three-year-old child. He's like Elmo. Everything's in third person. Sandman sat over locket. Sandman needs to save daughter. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to the parade scene, I want to just kind of group these Sandman things here. Here's my complaint I had earlier with Sandman, where you're like, he's doing this all for his daughter. This movie does nothing to prove that to us, because... If he's trying to save his daughter, he's like, I need to steal money so my daughter can get an operation. You're the freaking Sandman. Just turn <laughs> giant Sandman on everybody, grab her by her hair, take her to the hospital, and go, save Sandman daughter or Sandman kill. <laughs> That's all you got to do. The doctors are going to go, whatever you say, Mr. Giant Rock Creature. <laughs> You don't steal money. What are you going to do? Are you going to deliver the money to Sandman? Sandman paid cash. Sandman, good citizen. <laughs> yeah. Sandman bill paid in full. Do you accept check? <laughs> Can't sign. Had sand. You signed for Sandman. Sandman doesn't want to trace because he knows these are marked bills. Sandman, get cashier's check. <laughs> Three to five business days, Sandman not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. We need Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Sandman. (laughs) My daughter, she has like the flu or something. I don't know. I'm an absentee parent. I don't know much about her. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> Help her all get sand in your eye, I swear. <laughs> like, what's he gonna do when he hits people? This is sand. 
His sand, like you punch Sandman, and as we see later on, your fist goes straight through him. Shouldn't his fist just shatter into a giant cloud of sand? It doesn't make any sense. It's like the scene where we get sexually when Spider-Man's like takes off his boot and gets all the sand out and the things. Like, yeah, I. That's why one thing I don't like the beach because I literally am Hayden Christensen. I don't like sand because it does get everywhere. <laughs> um. I'm going to cover that now because you brought it up and I don't want to forget it. The boot. Uh, Sandman is the sand, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> That's his finger. <laughs> yeah, and he's got, he's brushing sand out of his hair and he's dumping it on his boots like, you just dumped Flynn Marco's pancreas out of your boot, okay? <laughs> like, it's not just loose sand. That is part of the man's body. He should be weak now. <laughs> he can't digest properly anymore Sandman Pancreas is missing fuck you Spider-Man that's why I hate him so much in this film I want to kill Spider you stole my pancreas might need that later on my daughter my daughter needs my pancreas you just dumped it that was, I was saving that for her <laughs> <laughs> That's where we don't even know what Penny Marco's sick of. We're just gonna claim she needs a new pancreas. This is all for the pancreas. We were turning this into like, oh, let's lie. His daughter's sick. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go back to my original point. Uh, just go Sandman on the hospital. They'll help your daughter. <laughs> but the parade scene. Oh wow. Where do we start? This might be longer than Spider Man Two by the time we're done. <laughs> Been halfway through the movie yet? Peter doing the marching band thing. <laughs> so, that's cute. Come on, that's kind of just randomly cute. Um, yeah, the, the bad Sam Raimi dialogue here. Uh, when MJ meets up with uh with Harry here, and then they talk about uh uh him. What is it? she says something about her getting knocked on the head? Will you bump me on the head? He goes, oh, bonk. God, no, that is, oh, that is, I hate that so much. <laughs> oh, Sandman bump on the head. Sandman, you just killed Penny. Sandman, don't know his own strength. Got your nose. Oh, shit, you really did. <laughs> Sammy, you just ripped out her pancreas. <laughs> Well, I'm missing mine. <laughs> Spider-Man, we'll meet again. <laughs> we'll meet again, Spider-Man. Oh, he's just having really bad pancreatic pains. That's the groaning we hear. <laughs> Ow, my pancreas hurts. <laughs> what even is a pancreas? I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't it produce insulin or something like that? Or is that something else? (laughs) Um, Okay, so the parade scene. They have the parade for Spider-Man. He makes his grand entrance with a couple of over-the-top handstands or whatever he's doing. And the upside-down kiss, which becomes such a problem in this movie... Uh, I will say it's bad, funny, and entertaining in a bad way that you have all these really creepy-looking grown men going, Kiss her! Kiss her! <laughs> yes. Or her, no, they're saying the other way, Kiss him! Kiss him! 
And the one and little the kid, one kid, don't spider me. <laughs> kid, that's pretty good. I'll give you that. He's the star of this film, that kid. Don't do it, spider yeah. Uh, so now, for the first time, Peter's officially two-timing MJ. Uh, how this makes sense to Peter, I don't understand, and that's going to be a problem with later scenes, how it's written. Um, we have the fight scene here between Peter and Sandman. I like the big build-up. The one thing that Sam Raimi does good is uh, with the, the, the villain's first appearances, like we had with the Green Goblin, you know, coming in, what's that up there? That's one of our gliders. The Sandman coming in is the same thing. Uh, I like the fight scene here. It doesn't really make sense punching him through his gut, and it does nothing but Sandman punches you, and you fly out the back of a window. Uh, but it's an okay action scene. None of it makes sense. The parade is so bad. Uh, we'll kind of stop it there um, before we get to the restaurant, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, going back to the beginning of the movie here. <laughs> where, do we, where do we start Bernard, didn't we? Um, well, we, we're, yeah, we're just doing MJ getting fired and Bernard and then the parade. That's right. Oh, yeah, just I've written here, so the, the Stanley scene, yeah, you are right before. What did, yeah. what did Stanley say? One person can make a difference. Oh, well, enough said. Enough, enough said, yeah, <laughs> his famous off. line. So that's the only, I'm going to call, that's the only time Stanley plays Stanley in a cameo. Yeah, yeah. Well, does he speak in many of his other cameos, or is that kind of just the one that he speaks in, or... I don't know. I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Keep an eye on it. Um, I, yeah, just the the inconsistencies of just Harry that growing up and, and the bit where he catches the vase and the ball. It's like, oh, pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, his expression there is so over the top. It's just painful. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the one, one of the things that, um, I, again, I feel I need to point, this isn't my joke or anything like that, so, I, you know, everything wrong with Spider-Man 3 video, they point out when MJ gets fired, it's like, is how, what is MJ's agent? Like, somehow they managed to land her a lead in a, well, a third lead in a Broadway play where she obviously can't sing, and yet they don't tell her that she's been fired. <laughs> so, like, are these people in the play, like, the hirers, are they less, like, the worst when it comes to, you know, getting talent or anything along those lines at the same time? Uh, it's just, it's kind of strange that then they don't even tell her that she's being fired. No, it's um, not strange. That's... That's poorly handled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I do like those guys. <laughs> well, that that was handled poorly. <laughs> uh, I love it when she walks out and, like, typical MJ assumes their applause is for her. Selfish bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a really bad moment, too. Um, I love marching Peter. It's so like... <laughs> just a little scene. Oh, no. I kind of wish I could make my profile picture like a gif of him, like, going... <laughs> Just yeah. so geeky and cheesy. Um, and also, the whole thing with, like, Spider-Man getting the key to the city. Okay, so he's been around for, like, three or so years right now. Why now? Um, so it's, like, <laughs> a bit late, New York. Do you have so many keys to give out to other people that Spider-Man's just three years late? Um, secondly, how do you arrange this? Like, okay, Friday at four o'clock, Spider-Man will get the key to the city. So does Spider-Man have to watch the news... And be like, oh, well, I'd better be available then. So, like, when <laughs> she's all like, and here's Spider-Man. Like, how how do they know he'll show up? This is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's not just, like, a phone call away. Like, it's yeah. kind of, like, convenience that he just happens to be available. And why aren't the criminals at this point thinking, well, 4 o'clock on Friday, he's going to be busy. Exactly. So, let's go murder some innocent people. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you know the well, police aren't going to do there. anything. <laughs> yeah. Um... 
Now, the, the look, the whole kissing Gwen and the upside down kiss, like, I'm not a, such a fan of Peter that I'm going to, like, Peter's a douche, all right? He shouldn't do mm. that. You know, it's not right. But having said that, MJ really just milks this, doesn't she? Like, is she really the appropriate person to be so bent up over a kiss? Like, yeah, yeah true enough. She She's done it to all of her exes like it's i mean it's just it's it's as common as her changing a hair color because again like she's (laughs) darker red in this which is different in this yeah Yeah. again it's gone back to that sort of almost first film dark red um and it's the one thing too like you've got to think about this spider-man she's one of like what four people who knows except those like 30 people on the train who he is so, you know, all these women are in love with Spider-Man. Like, you saw in the second one, all those women were like, take me, take me! You even at one point see a woman, I don't know if you notice in the background, walking around with a sign that says, is there a Spider-Woman? So, like, she yeah. knows that so many women love Spider-Man. So it's kind of a she case... one of, of them. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> well, that's not that rare with her, but, like, it's, it's <laughs> clearly a thing that she knows he's admired. So at this point... The fact that they want to just give a kiss is, like, probably understandable because nobody knows who he is. Also, when she pulls down the mask and does a whole upside-down kiss, you've got this massive crowd. You've got the world's press there, no doubt. Like, you know, here it is. Why doesn't she just take his mask off fully? Like, reveal him to the world right now. Here he is. It's Peter Parker. You know, Peter Parker. he saved her life. <laughs> Oh, it's just, yeah. I do like it when he comes in and he gives all the high fives and he does the handstand and, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Now, you, you're wondering, just people at home, my, my Skype profile picture is of excited yes, African-American man with his mouth agape. I want people to go back and watch the scene when Harry and MJ turn around to see something is flying towards them and watch the people in the background's reactions because they kind of all shocked at the at the one point. This guy, this dude, this African-American guy is, like, so overactingly shocked that, like, my tiny screenshot doesn't do it justice. He's, like, he's right in between MJ and Harry. You can't miss him. He's just like... Aah! Like, he's just... <laughs> so overacting it's hilarious and i had to rewind that about three times because i was laughing so much and i just thought oh colin's gonna notice this <laughs> it, yeah it's the one moment that i we didn't notice the same thing apparently <laughs> so so funny but just on the mj harry bit like oh my god like mj in a way has got herself to blame a little bit like she basically as soon as she meets harry oh guess what i got fired like you had so many opportunities to tell peter mj yeah. Um, and just the whole bop, oh my god, is that domestic violence? Did Harry just assault (laughs) MJ in broad daylight? And he really is like a 12-year-old puppy at this point. (laughs) Like, yeah, I like James Franco, he's not Tova Grace, but like, I mean, come on, it's so... Ah, I just saw the guy in the group! There you go, there you go, you see? And he's responding a good, like, five seconds before anybody else in the movie is. <laughs> I hope he's gone on to become a big star. Um, but I, I like... <laughs> Can't stop watching you, right? So you just... He's right... As, yeah, the first people start to notice Sandman, he is directly in between uh, MJ and Harry. <laughs> it just does keep getting funnier and funnier every time you watch that little bit. Um <laughs> But the, the the bit when he, like, goes into the sand truck and the cops are chasing him. 
<laughs> I need to leave Colin oh, alone. No, it's the last time. Um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. When, I'm, I'm, I'm a profile pic. Great. I'm going to minimize the screen. Okay, continue. <laughs> when, um, God, God, you're making me laugh again. When the, the cops are like <laughs> shooting, you're oh, sad, man. Oh, you're shooting him. Again. <laughs> Like, those bullets are going through him. There's a building behind Sandman. This little old lady having a cup of tea in New York that day watching Spider-Man get the key to the city on a TV. He's just got her head blown open. Thanks, NYPD. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I do like the, yeah, the fight series. I like it when he, he does take his boots off of that and he says the line. He's like, you know, where do these people come from? <laughs> now, he's a slightly racist, he's Spider-Man, like, you know. Is that what his... do you mean, these people? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean, these people, Peter? Go back to where you came from, racist. Uh, we get the restaurant scene next, which, mm. <laughs> oh, Strange. this is a classic. This is where I, I said, uh, I'll point out, I, there are lots of little things that I had edited out at this point, but this is one of the first major changes I made to, like, how the story's told, because... I think one of the biggest mistakes that Sam Raimi made here is that when she comes into the restaurant scene, you know, I understand, oh, she's just a little bit moody. You know, she doesn't want to say anything right away. But when Gwen Stacy is introduced, I'll I'll get back to Bruce Campbell in a bit, but I'll talk about the bad stuff first. When Gwen Stacy is introduced and she's just all like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then afterwards, the first thing she says she's upset about is that he never mentioned that he took classes with her. (laughs) And then she almost gives us a throwaway line. It's like, what about that kiss? And then she's like, well, was that you or him? That should have been the only line. It's like, it's like you just made out with this girl in front of me and you knew her? Like, he, he, that's what she should have been upset yeah. about. But instead, you get this whole thing. It's like, well, you go to classes with her? Well, how come I haven't heard about her? Like, it's just, it's the wrong way to portray the scene. Um, but the first part of this, the Bruce Campbell stuff, it's fun. It's not as good. We said we would rank the Bruce Campbells. Uh, I'll do my ranking right here. It goes Snooty Usher in part two, number Aww. one. Wrestling ring announcer, number two. Aww. And the <laughs> restaurant waiter, number three. No. Mostly because I think the best the best part he has here is his pronunciation of Pekka. <laughs> Pekka. <laughs> that is what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and he's great. I mean, Bruce Campbell is hilarious in all these and that's another one of the things we said we should have had Bernard and all the others. Uh, it would be great to have Bruce Campbell show up in the Mark Webb ones, the Amazing Spider-Mans, or even in Homecoming. Uh, but I think the best humor in this is just the back and forth of, you know, Peter waving, and they're like, oh, it's time. And then he's like, no, no, not yet. It's like, no, no. That, like, that stuff's really funny. Uh, I found that he had better dialogue, and he had more funnier things to say in the first two. Uh, but that was the other thing I kind of, I, I had to cut, even much as I love it, you don't go from, you know, this serious scene and you're about to get into the dark stuff of the movie. You have to sell to the audience that these two are ready to break up, period. Otherwise, everything MJ does after this doesn't make sense. So to have it played comically with Bruce Campbell, it wasn't the right scene to have it in here. I disagree. I think this scene is one of the best you scenes. You would. Well, of course I would. I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. And, and I mean, I'm about to rip shit into MJ here, but um, I, I would put this as my favorite Bruce Campbell scene. I just, I mean, you know, and you know that's a stretch for me because it's involved around the French. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I love it. I just love the way he kind of, you know, he gets the ring there and he kind of gets his glasses out. And he's like, oh, look at the little... And, you know, like, he's just doing you, like, ripping shit into this ring. Um, and, you know, it's just all like, oh, and put it in the glass. I am French. I am romantic. Like, you know, just... And he's all like, for Pekka, that is what I say. <laughs> he does a fantastic French accent. Let's be honest. Like, that is... If you yeah. didn't know that that was the same guy from the first two films in okay. different characters, you'd assume he's French. Like, does it very, very well. Um, but I love it. I love him. He's so good the way he does this. But this whole scene, like, oh, like, I love it. But just MJ, fucking hell. Um, like, but she's the one who has a reason to be yeah, Okay, I upset. get that. Let me get to that. Like, first of all, I love the fact that the, the newspaper is Spidey Scores. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going into the restaurant. Okay, like, as I said, I do understand why she's pissed. She did have her boyfriend mack it on with another woman in front of the entire world. I get it. Firstly, again, she's done it a lot more. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> exactly, This is yeah. once. Uh, secondly, just like she did with him before and didn't tell him that he, she got fired, but told Harry, she, like, at what point in between her seeing that and then going to that restaurant, could she not, like, text him or call and say, hey, slightly annoyed that you kissed another woman, we need to yeah. talk about this. <laughs> no, let's get all dressed up in the black dress that Harry wanted you to wear for Norman in the first film and <laughs> show up and be all like, oh, I don't feel much like this today. Just bring your snooty bitchiness to dinner. You know, like, it's, again, classic trope of, oh, two people are about to have a big scene, but the other person's grumpy or whatever. And then, like... The way, like, Gwen Stacy comes in and as she's saying, like, she's like, oh, like, why does he have to tell you every woman he knows? Is it because he's Peter Parker, he knows, like, one woman anyway? Like, well, you, you, like, literally have cheated on every man that has looked at you. You literally are, you know, you said as easy on the eye. So clearly you're also admired by critics and all this. Why is it Peter getting angry at this critic? Oh, easy on the eye. Oh, do you know this critic? Do you? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm going to be... This is a lot of debates with us about what is right and wrong in the relationship of two fictional characters. This entire series of podcasts has been us debating their relationship. <laughs> but here's my defense of that. Her issue is that he just saved this girl, had a parade thrown for him for saving this girl, made out with this girl in front of all of New York City... And didn't bother to mention that he actually knew her beforehand. Now, I'm sorry. If I save some woman's life, you know, when I'm out saving people's lives, which I do all the time. (laughs) um, And it's uh, a woman who throws a parade for me and then kisses me. And then afterwards, you know, my wife's, I mean, we work together, but let's say we didn't. She shows up at my work and it's like, oh, your coworker is the one that you saved and that kissed you. And they threw a parade for you. How come you never mentioned you knew her? She has a right to be upset then. But she's behind his back telling Harry's secrets and soon to be macking on with his best friend. Like, no. Like, ugh, I get, look, I get, I get, I get what you say. I do. Hang on a minute. Let me back up. I get it. Like, I'm not trying to say Peter is completely innocent here because, again, he did kiss and cheat publicly. I'm not condoning his actions. But it's kind of like, you know, it's. It's it's like if you... I'm trying to come up with some weird comparison here. I guess if you were a vegetarian and <laughs> you, like, 
I, same thing as infidelity, being a vegetarian and eating meat. <laughs> you ate meat once, and then you've got a meat eater who's like, oh, that's terrible, it's the worst thing in the world, you are so bad, you ate meat, oh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's like, dude, you eat meat all the time, like, you can't, like, defend the... That was really bad. Ben, Just... <laughs> ben, who's the biggest Natalie Portman fan, needs to read what, what? her thoughts are on people who eat meat. <laughs> well, I was about to say, where's that come into it? You leave Natalie alone, all right? <laughs> She doesn't come into this. She comes into my house and we have dinner together. Um, but just like, I guess, I guess probably where this is coming from is that Colin's in a happy relationship. He's loved. He's married. He has a child. I'm recently single and I've had probably varying experiences with women over the last 12 months. So I'm slightly angry at them. So I'm like, fuck you, MJ. Do this with me a year ago. I'm probably like, oh yeah, well, MJ. Like... Um, but like, what does she say? Like, oh, her polished fingernails are all over you and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, that was our kiss. So like, you own the kiss. Like, okay, I get it. But like, seriously. How did Harry at the time feel about that that being your kiss? Exactly. (laughs) What about the fact that you used your kiss on dreamy McJohn Jameson in the second film? Like, (laughs) you used that kiss too, MJ. Hmm. Short term memories. Can we point out really quickly here how we talked about how iconic that kiss was, that scene in the first one. It never even occurred to me till now that they found a way to duplicate it in both sequels, yeah. and that's how big of a deal it was. So props to them pulling it off in the first one and having such an iconic moment. And in both sort of the previously on Spider-Man sequences in the beginning, we got the animated version of the second one, and we saw it again yeah. in the, the credits in this one. Um, the one thing I will add on this that like I it just it blows my mind how dumb this section is is when Gwen says to Peter. Oh, can you give me a copy of that kiss with Spider-Man? Bitch, walk outside, look at the newsreel. There is a front page of the newspaper with you and him kissing on it. Why do you need a copy of it? Buy a newspaper. Exactly. Yeah, she's cheap. (laughs) He went to Aunt May's budgeting school or something. And, like, I would rather have a front page of a newspaper with me kissing Spider-Man than just a cheap old photo from Peter Becker. We know you would want a picture of kissing Spider-Man. Somebody should Photoshop that. Me kissing... No, don't. Don't, don't. Um, Actually, no, don't. I'm going to (laughs) cover... It'll be his profile pic at the end of this episode. <laughs> Don't tip me, Colin Hildy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do it. Uh, I'm going to cover a big chunk here. This is where the movie becomes a bit of a problem, because I counted, and we are an hour into this movie. But not into By this time episode. The... We're about two hours no, into this episode. No, <laughs> way too much. Um, Sorry, people. It took an hour before they got to the plot, which is basically the original untold story of Spider-Man, which is that it wasn't just some random guy who killed Uncle Ben. It was Thomas Hayden Church. (laughs) And they find this out of the police station, and Peter flips out. That's a nice scene. I like that. That was one of the twists that even though I understand it has nothing to do with the real Sandman character, that got me excited about seeing the movie, and I would have rather seen a villain that was the killer that got away than a movie that barely addressed that because it really only comes up in the one scene where they fight after this. Um, but yeah, Peter's upset by this. Uh, MJ comes, uh, you know, her and him have a conversation. He's got police scanners on. He changes into a suit. He's just waiting to find out what Flint Marco is. 
the symbiote finally attaches itself to Peter. And this is a very well done minute and a half of film here where it's Peter waiting and you have the thunderstorm in the background. And he's getting tired wearing the suit and he's lying down and the symbiote's just coming closer and closer. Sam Raimi's really good at building tension. That comes from, I think, him being a guy from a horror film background. So moments like this are done really well. And the way that he just sort of cuts to him hanging upside down, remember that being the teaser trailer? Yeah. And I never realized it was going to be like that. I thought we would see it happen and the suit would form. But the fact that it just cuts immediately there, it almost feels like it's like Peter's nightmare. You know, you feel something happen and all of a sudden, wait, where am I? And I like that it's like it's disorienting and he's just hanging there and he's saying to himself, what is this suit? What is this power? <laughs> it's yeah. like a very comic book moment speaking to himself. And the music, I love that theme. Yeah. Really good theme. Um, so he has the black suit. It's given some different type of power. Uh, after this, there's um, the the part where he's chasing Flint into the sewers later. Um, there's, uh, well, there's a quick thing with Connors after that, where Connors, he took the symbiote to Connors to analyze. Um and then where he chases him into the sewer and there's a moment with Eddie taking his picture and he breaks his camera. I'm not laughing <laughs> at that. Never says, mind. Oh, Sorry, I'm just sidetracked. <laughs> I'm about to laugh at one of Sam Raimi's great lines here. See ya, chump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a quick fight in the subway tunnel. This is done really well again. I like this angry Peter. Uh, they lost their momentum later on. Uh, they lost the whole point of this. But yeah, where it's like, uh, what did I do to you? It's like, or what did I ever do to you? It's like, uh, what does he say? Like, uh, what did you take take from you? Everything. <laughs> really angry. <laughs> he sounds like Yoda. He I does. He's like burning, but now he's Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love that. That's where Tobey Maguire's performance is really good, and Thomas Hayden Church is good too. Like he he almost has this tear in his eye. You, you I want more of that. I want <laughs> I wanted him being kind of haunted by this. Make him a little bit more sinister, just like Doc Ock need to be a bit more sinister, but make him haunted by the fact that like, I killed a man, and that's something you don't see often in these movies. I like that. The fact that he beats him with water, I'm going to have a big complaint later on in the movie, but I'll leave it that for now. All that we know by this is that he beats him with water, which proves Flint Marco hasn't showered in about <laughs> two weeks, apparently, <laughs> because if water touches his body, he's done for. When you're sand, you don't um, need to shower. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But yeah, I mean, I like the fight scene. Again, all the falling shots. Sam Raimi does a lot of these falling shots in the movie, and I like all those, like where he's falling through the sewer and everything. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in here. A few of these uh, sequences of the black suit Spider-Man, I think, really work. Um, yeah, the just the police, the reveal. Um, I, I remember when I saw this in the movies, the whole time I'm thinking, what? Like, huh? Um, because uh, just going back to... <laughs> Pick. There we go. That's what I was <laughs> laughing at before when I said I wasn't laughing. Colin challenges me to make a profile picture. I'll do it. And it just so happened I had an old picture of me leaning in and kissing a friend of mine on the cheek that I remembered I had. So it kind of... <laughs> I'll have to put that in our episode uh, thing on our website for people to see. Uh, um, anyway, there we go, folks. There is a photo of me kissing Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> um, we we got a scene earlier, didn't we, when they when we first met James Cromwell, when they said about, like, oh, the suspect in the Ben Parker murder has escaped from Rikers. 
And I remember kind of like, yeah. what? Hang on a minute. That guy, he's coming back? I thought he died. I thought he fell off the thing. But uh, so then we, like this whole bit, and I, I still was kind of like questioning. I know we kind of get the reveal later on and it's kind of interesting. But I think I said in the first movie, like just kind of watching how this happens in the first movie, knowing what happens in the third movie, change it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think Tom McGuire's awesome in this scene when he's, you know, you're not doing your job or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And he just, he's really good. And like, let's be honest, he's right. The MIPD is just yeah. not doing their job. <laughs> and as like, kind of, you got to think about this. So they've had this guy in jail for two, three years who they say is a suspect in the Ben Parker murder case. Why haven't they been informed? Why hasn't May and Peter Parker at any point been told, oh, by the way, we think another guy did this. We won't tell you until he escapes from prison. Yes. What else have I gotten here? Um, Yeah. I like the whole transformation scene uh, with the black suit. Like, it's... There's questions about this black suit, though, too, isn't there, surely? Like, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here. Like, we're joking about Sandman. Oh, don't shoot Sandman! That wasn't his accent from before, but whatever. Um, But, like, this suit initially, like, crawls all over him, and it just kind of, you know, turns his suit black. But then, all of a sudden, he's got two different suits from his red and, you know, blue one. He's got a a mask which wasn't there before when it was there, and then later on this can be by itself, this suit, and then it can make Topher dope face into Venom, and then it's just like, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued at how this works. (laughs) But, again, maybe there's more in the comics that I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, And, yeah, the... I don't know if I have a lot more to add. Yeah, the, the whole... Uh, <laughs> see you, chump. <laughs> but the, the scene, I like the scene when he's with uh, Dr. Connors, and it's like, you know, don't let any of that get on you. You know, it seems to yeah. like you. Um, but the, yeah, the, the scene underground, like, I love that shot when, like, you see him crawling up on the, on the roof and the kind of, you know, like, I, I don't think we've really mentioned too much about these in these films about kind of when he's actually almost like a spider and he's, like, creeping around in the background. Like, that's, that's mm. really well done. Um, but yeah, like the the water sort of like being his weakness is kind of like a weird thing because again, like this is Peter Parker. He is a very intelligent man, you know, very intelligent person. He's very, you know, up there. He knows all about uh, fusion and shit in the second film that we saw and all that kind of stuff. But like, surely he knows how water and sand works. Like, I mean, you know, there are beaches, like water touches the beach, right? And beaches yeah. don't get destroyed every time the water touches it. That dries off. And it's still there. <laughs> so, like, even if you've got a sandcastle and it gets destroyed by water, it dries off. You can build it again. So Exactly. And it's like later on when we find out that, uh, you know, he does have a tear duct that he can obviously cry. So what happens when he goes to the bathroom? <laughs> uh, what happens if it well, rains? Does he consume nothing? Yeah, like, yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a strange sort of thing. But um, what, is it, what does he say when he... Um, he gets. He sees him like get sucked through the Titanic vent, and he's like, "What is that? Good riddance." That's what he said, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. The one bit I really do like, even though it's kind of strange editing, but I think it really works, is when he's pulling open that pipe, and those like rivet bits are like going pop, and they keep like zooming in really closely on Tom Hayden Church's face. It's like dunk, 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 dunk. Like I love how it does that. 
Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, 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 I like the scene. It's just, uh, I, I like his transformation. And I guess I, and this is parts where I'm going to defend. I like the dark Peter Spider-Man moments. I always like it in TV shows and films when like the good guy has moments of being bad, you know, like it's, it's always fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it at this point. Uh, once he's done with killing a person with water, uh, <laughs> he goes home and parts his hair differently <laughs> and, uh, takes all of his aggression out on a stuck lock because nothing <laughs> makes Peter Parker angrier than people getting away with murder and lock sticking. <laughs> uh, I wrote May again. Aunt May must have been in here at some point. I don't even, if she was, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't write any notes about it. Uh, I like the shot of Mary Jane coming out of a jazzy strip club with her head hanging low and shame in her face. <laughs> like, that just looks like somebody who's like, now I gotta go back to stripping. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, who does she call? Ghostbusters. Okay, I'm gonna be on bedside here. <laughs> she calls her ex. She could have called Peter. I know she had a fight with him, but she calls her ex. Which one? <laughs> Uh, th- I guess technically that would be her. No, though, though John would be. Well, who knows how many she had in between? Oh Harry my and god! John. Seriously, that's why her phone book is so. Sixty next is removed. I want to. I want to go yeah. back to that scene and see, like, we saw Peter Parker's name. There were some other names above that. It's probably like Paul and Philip <laughs> and Prince and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was still alive in two thousand and seven. Let's be honest; they were involved somewhere. <laughs> Flint, Marco, <Yeah>. Aunt May. <laughs> Uh, here comes one of my least favorite scenes. Ugh. MJ showing up at the house, and what do they do? They do the twist! Mm. <laughs> Sam Raimi is so out of touch, stuck in his 1950s or whatever, that he even picked the soundtrack that young kids would listen to. <laughs> They're listening to Chubby Checker doing the twist. Chumpy pulling. <laughs> Chumpy pulling. Doing the twist. <laughs> Why is this in here? And why do we have this playful scene of them dancing and making omelets? It's so bad. Yep. I hate it. I can't even defend this. They, I'm not going to help you out they, here to making this good. I hate this too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, as we see, she ends up committing adultery herself too. It's just all over this movie. Uh, um, what else do we even have? <laughs> How much... Okay, I really, <laughs> Again, this is seriously the point where it just takes you out of like, what the fuck else is happening? This oh, they're doing the twist. Cool. Uh- <laughs> yeah. How much did he, I wrote this here? How much did he forget? Because he after she leaves here, after he kisses her and she leaves, he gets his memory back. How that made him get his memory back, I don't know. It was so traumatizing for him. Oh, this girl left. This is where it's so inconsistent for what he has memories for and what he doesn't have memories for. Because he said earlier he remembered his his dad dying. But he only here has the flashback of Spider-Man being over his dad's dead body. And this flashback of him at the funeral saying Spider-Man must pay. And the flashback of him in every other scene hating Spider-Man. So he remembered him dying but didn't remember how it happened. If his memory was wiped out after that point, why does he not think he's still dating MJ? Exactly. Like, he should be like, why are you pulling away from me? Like, we're dating here. (laughs) Take Um, those pants off. Come on. Exactly. There's just so many inconsistencies here. Uh, and yeah, he gets his uh, his thing where he hears Norman and another minor plot hole, but I'll still call it out. 
he hears Norman give a quote from the first movie about, first we attack his heart. <laughs> and Vince McMahon <laughs> takes over the role of Norman Osborn. <laughs> but he wasn't there to hear him say that. That was something Norman said to himself in his own schizophrenic fantasy. So how he's quoting a line he wasn't present for, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if I want to cover that. Um... Yeah, uh, Peter leaves a message for her on his machine. That's pretty much it. Because we're going to get to Ben's girlfriend coming back after this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the chumpy pool in uh, scene, <laughs> doing the twist with the omelets. So bad. Not much to talk about here, but I had to pull it out. It, it's, it's a terrible sequence that should have been cut. And when I re-edited this movie, I edited out her kissing him. Because again, I think that's just a moment that didn't need to be in the movie. There's a better way to do this, and when we get into the future scenes, I'll explain the better way to do this. The art uh, maybe is when um, he basically just says, uh, oh, uh, Flint Marker was killed last night. And it's like, oh, oh that's Spider-Man right, yeah. killed him. Spider-Man doesn't kill anyone. He had another one of those, I, I killed him. I mean, Spider-Man killed yeah. him. <laughs> my friend, uh, not me. Uh, my friend had a dream, <laughs> in a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but this is this is the whole what is it the moral compass of May like oh revenge is no heart it will turn ugly shut up Um, (laughs) I why is MJ so like okay I kind of get why she's ashamed she's been on Broadway and now she's going to sing in a jazz club but this kind of looks like a cool place to work doesn't it like you get to waitress but all of a sudden they're just like MJ you take over like I mean I'd like that like cool I don't have to bring people drinks in where I can sing and if you love singing like and why do they hire her anyway this is the girl who was fired after a bad couple of critics of bad singing <laughs> put her in a jazz club <laughs> yeah but yeah like the whole calling Harry thing like oh my god you two-timing uh-huh. hoe bag like you know this is again Peter Pecker has done it once like you just <laughs> are a constant with this. And again, it's like, why Harry? You, like, hated Harry in that first one. Even when you were dating him, you're like, hey, he didn't catch me. Yeah. So, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but you, I can't believe you completely missed over Bernard here, you know. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a guest coming. A guest? <laughs> yes, a guest. Yeah. A guest? <laughs> <laughs> right away, sir. Uh, <laughs> Is he hard of hearing, or is he like a guest guest? Because um, that was also with the beat we missed before when he's with Peter, and he's like, "Hey, Bernard, did I have any girlfriends?" <laughs> like, yeah, I oh, don't think so, sir. Not that I know of, sir. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, yeah, I know it was kind of your opening line, um, but I, I do like it when Peter gets really angry at uh, Mister Digovich. <laughs> You know, leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> oh, he, he's a good boy. He's, you know, like, and then the next bit when he's like, you know, apologizing for the door and he's what like, oh, you, you can buy me a pizza t- sometime. Today's good. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the amazing, you're a good woman. I'm a good man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and oh, how, how, how cute is Ursula? Like, you know, when she's just, you know, because like the thing that's cute about her is that you, you obviously assume she's just in love with Peter, but clearly. She's also so happy that she's with him that he's with MJ because she's like, oh, you know, you should call her. You know, go through the door, then opens the door again. Bye, Pete. Like, ah, like just, you just want to cuddle her mm. and do other things to her that I wouldn't say on this podcast. But um, it's 
The whole... Look, I don't know what to even do with this fucking twist scene. Like, oh my God. Like, who knew cooking an omelette could take you back to the 1950s? Like, for fuck's sake. Like, why? Why, why, why? It's just... It's, like, not even... Like, people complain about the emo Peter dancing very soon scene. Like, this is more out of place than that. Like, at least you can put that into context. Sam Raimi... You can ask somebody else to pick your soundtrack. Yes. He's like, who's this Chad Kruger? What's a dashboard confessional? <laughs> Give me some chubby checker. That's what the kids are listening to nowadays. And what like in what world do these two, you know, what, early twenty something New Yorkers get excited over chubby checker? They've probably literally gone, <laughs> Who is this? What's this song? Yeah, exactly. I know this song. It's like, <laughs> Bernard's, it's Bernard's iPod, sorry. <laughs> Bernard, Bernard, you've logged into Spotify again. It's, it's stuck <laughs> Logged out of your Spotify, Bernard. Um, <laughs> what are your, Bernard's iHeartRadio. <laughs> <laughs> I guessed. <laughs> Not that I know. Well, we've got to the bottom, yeah, at least we've got to the bottom of Chubby Checker. <laughs> But, like, even in this sequence, it's like, why does she kiss him? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and, like, runs away. At what point does she ever apologise for cheating on her boyfriend? Like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've written here, this is so horrible what I've written here. When he's having his flashback, I'm like, his flashback to Willem raped. Um, <laughs> he's what? Willem being raped. Willem Defoe being oh, raped. Yeah. Not funny. Um, and then, like, what does he say? Like, I was right about her. I was right about him. Like, yeah. You know, let's be honest, he kind of was right about her. Um, but, but he never said anything about Peter to Harry. That's the thing. So no. why would he be flashing back to, I was right about him. And just the sequence, like, uh, I, I think you sort of lumped this in there, but if not, I've just, there's one scene ahead. It's not too much. But, like, when he ultimately then goes to attack MJ... Um, you know, oh, yeah, I'll get to that. I yeah. just want to just quickly add this, this bit. Like, when he goes into the apartment, like, grabs her by the throat. Like, is MJ at this point thinking, like, dude, it was just a kiss. Calm down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if every man did this after I kissed him, I would have no head. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say on that. Uh, That's it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to that. So Harry goes crazy here. Um, you mentioned the the quick thing about Ursula coming back. I wonder if she's excited that Peter's girlfriend is calling him <laughs> or if she's excited because she knows he's about to be single here. Because well, <laughs> she's way too excited for somebody who's in love with Peter. True, true. Uh, and yeah, see, the way that I'm going to explain uh, the way that this goes down and then explain the way that I edited this differently. So... We have MJ kissing Harry, which does nothing to make you feel for her character when she's about to be held hostage and ransom here and forced to break up with Peter. It just makes you think, well, she was going to break up with him anyways. Um, Harry then attacks her when he realizes what's going on and makes her break up with Peter. Now, we've had villain plots where they're like the Green Goblin. I am going to make you choose whether she lives or whether all these children live. You have Doc Ock, who's like, you know, uh, uh, bring me uh, Spider-Man or I'll peel the flesh off her bones. He's like, I'm going to make you think that your girlfriend loves me instead. <laughs> like, this is not a better plot for a villain than what we've seen so far. And there's nothing about this movie that improves on the villains we've seen. Uh, but if you're going to do this, 
do it right. Do it where Harry's like really holding her hostage and she's in fear of her life because there's no reason for her to go along with this plan here. Uh, none at all. What, what, we don't, we're not explained why Harry's doing this. He attacked her. It's not like he says, I will kill you. I'll peel the flesh from your bones unless you do this. It's just sort of like, well, uh, he attacked me, so I guess I better go along with his plans. Yeah. And it, the way that this next scene plays out is all wrong because she breaks up with him and then he goes to Harry and he's like, I'm the other guy, whatever. But first he has this nice conversation with him. And says, Did she, you know, uh, say anything else? And then there's that moment you said you like it, the the, the pie. It's like, it's so good. I, I love his cockiness, yes. But it makes no sense that Harry would go from being the guy trying to make Peter feel like, oh, I'm there for you, to suddenly saying, well, guess what? I'm the other guy. And then the smile he gives him when Peter walks away is basically him saying to Peter... I'm doing this to mess with you, which should tell Peter, well, he's obviously blackmailing her or something. Yeah, It makes no sense from Harry's point of view. Why do this whole elaborate thing about breaking up with him and then reveal yourself to him? He, if he wanted to mess with Peter, he would let this play out and make you think that they really are in love now and that she wants you know, Harry instead of him. Um, I played this scene where they didn't kiss, but she just sort of ran out of there and he had his flashback. Or, or sorry, I didn't even have the scene of her going in the house because I didn't want to include Chumpy Checker. <laughs> <laughs> Chumpy Checker. <laughs> so, yeah, she doesn't even go there. Uh, he has this random flashback on his own. He attacks her, and then she says, I want to break up with him. And that's the way you would play this scene because then at least you haven't ruined MJ's character. You haven't trivialized this entire thing about being just these immature kids trying to wreck each other's personal lives. <laughs> uh, and it's still i'm 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 just upset that it makes no sense that harry would do this to make peter think this is what happened and then give that cocky smirk to be like uh guess what i got you yeah like that just says it's oh it makes no sense at all and um i agree can i just, just jump in i, just, I okay, completely agree basically with everything you said and this is definitely one of the things like i don't mind the whole i think you mentioned didn't you that they could have just maybe focused this was the the main plot of the the movie that let's just have Harry being the bad guy, evil, like, yeah. you know, and that's it. And, like, it might have worked in a way if they did that. But the, the one thing I'll just quickly say, because uh, I think we can brush over this really quickly now, is that, um, like, even why does MJ not just on that bridge just be like, yeah, Harry's gone crazy again. He's trying to kill you. Like, he, she knows he's Spider-Man. Exactly. So, so why is yeah. she... What What is in it in any way for her to be afraid? Like, this is Harry. She has seen... Spider-Man beat Doc off. Exactly. There's no reason for her to think that he couldn't defend himself now. Yeah, I just, I don't get MJ's point of view here too either. Like, there's no reason. Like, it's not like, oh, I've kidnapped every man in this city. You can't sleep with any of them unless you tell Peter. No, I will tell Peter I'll break up with him. Like, you know, like she's got nothing (laughs) held over her head at this point to even go along Mm -hmm. with it. So, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, it's just a cafe scene. Like, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, it's just, it's just creepily good the way he goes. So good. Like, just the way he does it. And how does he disappear? Like, what? I know. Is, is he Batman all of a sudden? Like... Well, the only way... Okay, let's look at it this way. For Spider-Man to do that, it makes sense. But Harry has the same powers as the Green Goblin. The Green Goblin had strength, but his powers of flight and speed came from a mechanical glider. Unless Harry had a glider underneath his chair, 
in which case that entire thing is engulfed in flames. That entire restaurant yeah. is engulfed in flames, and the the waitress is burning. Yeah. <laughs> that would well, be you a funny would like that. Um, <laughs> exactly. The one thing I just quickly add as well. Sorry, I know I chimed in front of here, but like the, the line when he says the strawberries, did that just not remind yeah. you of Gold Nine Trevelyan? Like, you yeah, know, like yeah. tasted kind of like strawberries and what and this is another thing this is one thing i've noticed in so many teams it's not just goldeneye like whenever there's this evil like oh i tasted her or i kissed her why do i always taste like strawberries i've never kissed a woman and she's tasted like strawberries ever and i if yeah. I, am i kissing the wrong women like because i want to taste strawberries when i kiss someone i like strawberries so <laughs> if they've eaten strawberries they probably don't taste yeah. like strawberries okay like you know <laughs> That's generally probably the thing. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. a common thing I notice in so many movies and TV. They taste like strawberries. Shouldn't they say taste like chicken? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Another random thing that bothered me in that scene was that progressively throughout the scene, Harry's eyes start swelling shut for some reason. I don't know if I'm the only one to catch it, but ever since the first time I saw it, it bothered me that his eye, one of his eyes starts getting like slimmer and slimmer. I'm like, is he having an allergic reaction? Like, is there something wrong with this pie? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, and like that waitress is like, she's random, she's random waitress, but she's got, she seems, the way they portray is almost like she's way more prominent than she should be. Like just the way she kind of comes in there. It's like, you know, like, it's just a fun little bit, but yeah, like, I, it's kind of awkwardly done. Um, but yeah, can we just point out at this point, how long have we got this film left and we still haven't met Venom? <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, and I have like the time timestamp on that. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move ahead to the next scene because this one we can cover pretty quickly. You kind of mentioned the strawberries thing, it's basically we had the Peter versus Harry fight number one, now we get Peter versus Harry fight number two. Uh, it's not a bad fight. I still don't think it holds up to anything uh, that we've seen uh, in the other movies. It's a violent fight. I like the the purpose of telling the story, showing you how dark they both become. Um, the one thing that I don't understand is the hidden lab that Norman has. Why would he have this hidden lab? Because everything that's in there is just the original experiment that he already completed on himself. Yeah. So, I mean, unless we're led to believe that he has to continue to give himself treatments with this... There's no reason for him to have that hidden lab inside the walls. Uh, and again, how Harry knows how to use this, I don't understand. But yeah, it's not a bad fight. Uh, I like the whole thing with the bomb. Uh, it doesn't make sense later on when Harry's holding a grudge, you know, because you blew up my face. It's like, well, you kind of threw a bomb at him. What was he going to do? <laughs> great, great villain but, lines of superhero movies. You blew up my face. You blew up my face. Face. Something Sam Raimi would have written in this. Um, but yeah, quick quick fight scene. Uh, let's just cover the next sequences together. We're going to have a lot more to talk about in the next two. But the fake photo scene, this is what starts the Eddie Brock story arc. <laughs> is that he has this picture of Spider-Man with money bags in his hands. And uh, Peter has this thing. It looks from... This is where the dark Spider-Man starts to take a bad turn. Where it just becomes almost annoying and interpret it all wrong, uh, which will lead into the next one. But he basically reveals it as a, a fake or whatever after pinning him up against the wall. Um, Eddie says, you know, don't do anything. This will ruin me. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? Exactly. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, Eddie's motivation is not established well in this movie at all. I don't think this movie had too many villains. I think it wrote the three villains it had wrong. Um 
But this is part of the problem is that we don't get a proper motivation for Eddie. And in the comics, Eddie was like, it had nothing to do with Spider-Man, but Eddie was disgraced because he did something like this. It was like, you know, he faked a story or something because I think he was a reporter or whatever. But at least it's staying true to that story. Um, here it comes, the emo sequence. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your complaint on this. Um, obviously, I cut this entire sequence out. <laughs> no. For good reason. Because you're going from Peter killing a man, at least believing he killed a man, to um, fighting with and blowing up his best friend's face. <laughs> And following this, we're going to have him slapping his girlfriend. These are all dark moments that lead to him basically reaching his lowest point. And in the middle, we have fun little scenes of him strutting and pointing and hitting on women and going in to get new clothes <laughs> and being fed cookies by Ursula uh, and flirting with Betty. And there's some type of line about this isn't you know the position I hired you to fill or whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> It's so cheesy with that bad 70s porn music playing. <laughs> and the reason this doesn't work is because, A, we went from dark stuff and we're letting this be the bridge into more dark stuff. But also, Sam Raimi has said his interpretation of the black suit Spider-Man and the symbiote was that it would make somebody act. He wanted to portray Peter like somebody who was under the influence. That this was like the drunk that thinks he's so cool and everybody else just kind of like, oh, what a loser. Or like the drug addict that, you know, ha, look at me, I'm so funny, as he's like, you know. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the inebriated drunk. Apparently, I just but, think I'm funny. <laughs> 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 but um, he wanted that to be the way this was portrayed, which is why you see Peter smiling and strutting down the street and doing his weird dances that come out of the 70s so sam raimi is a little bit more modern than chubby checker <laughs> 20 years later it's moved on <laughs> yeah and the people on the street are kind of looking at him like what a loser but it doesn't help because you also in the same sequences have people like ursula fawning over him be like oh you're so cool peter sam raimi's interpretation does not work and it doesn't work with the scenes that lead into it and it doesn't work the scenes that follow and it is so cheesy and painful to watch it's just ridiculous and you can't take anything in this movie seriously and this is trying to be the darkest most serious spider-man movie yet horrible horrible please defend this ben i i can't wait to hear wow you're actually wanting me to defend it there you go um just the <laughs> the fight sequence uh, it's it's brutal again it's it's one of these brutal scenes uh i, I, I like it. it's it's interesting though that um you know he he's now bashing up harry and basically knows where his secret lair is where he becomes green gobby like can't he just now that he's evil peter can't he just come back and like destroy the lab <laughs> like you know like, it's probably the most obvious thing there um i <laughs> kind of, you blew up my face <laughs> <laughs> What's 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 the line that he says? Like, oh, is Goblin Junior gonna cry? Like, oh yeah, gonna cry. What is the dialogue in this? We mock the dialogue. In the, okay, I, I I'm gonna cut you off for a second because we did say the dialogue was bad in the first two movies, but the actors pulled it off. Maybe this isn't all Sam Raimi's fault because these actors pulled off bad dialogue before. I look, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that bad, but yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I also like the bit, like kind of going back to Peter and Norman's very close relationship. How Peter can yeah. be like, oh, he despised you. Like, what? Yeah. I was waiting for him to say like he loved me. 
<laughs> he kissed me upside down in the rain. <laughs> Don't make me Photoshop that one. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I like the, so the office sequence, like you know, because um, what the the photos on the front page, you know, caught red-handed. Here's Spidey. I notice now how the Daily Bugle has decided to finally print a byline. Saying like a photo by <laughs> Edward Brock, this would have saved like yeah. poor Jamison getting bashed up in the first film if they had put photo by Peter Parker like in the first one. Mm. Like again, journalism inconsistencies. And why are they having like a massive party for simply hiring a guy just because they've got a photo on there? Like that's not how it works. You get hired, you're automatically put to work. Like I want to work <laughs> for this newspaper. You get a party. Hey, Ben's on the team. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, my biggest problem with Brock and just this whole thing is just his motives are nothing in this film because, like, he is the biggest dick to Peter. He's the biggest dick to everyone. Parker did not steal his girl. Like, I know he sees him, like, wither out of the thing, but this is just a girl in my class. Like, you know, jealous much there, douchey Brock face. And, like, the, the line, like, as you said, like, oh, please don't, it will ruin me. You fucking ruined Peter! Like, fuck you! Exactly. Like, he's getting revenge! You faked a picture! Like, that is... Daily Bugle should be sued! It's not a simple case of, like, <laughs> retraction. Like, there's laws against that! Like, that yeah. is... You know, that is a big no-no. And I do like the fact when he's like, we haven't printed a retraction in 20 years. And then we see the, like, the front page. Sorry, Spidey. <laughs> um, the Evo Seekers. Now, look, the way I defend this, like, I told you I wasn't a huge fan of, of raindrops keep falling in my head in, in Spider-Man 2, and I think this works better. I think this blends in well with the, how the storyline is going. Like, Raindrops Keep Falling My Head is literally just, like, lumped in the middle. It takes you out of the film the way it's edited and the way it starts. Like, there's bits of it that I did like, but I just don't like how it overall. This kind of just blends through the film. So, kind of, you know, it's building up. Peter's, you know, just had his heart broken. So, then he's kind of getting pissed off more. He's bashing his best friend up and blowing his face up. Then he's standing up for his job. You know, I want this position. So, he's he's gradually getting angrier and angrier and kind of letting this take over him. So, at this point, you really do believe that, yeah, he is basically now the prick on the phone, rolling his eyes at Dr. Connor and openly flirting with Ursula. (laughs) Like, got any with nuts? Oh, I can make... Yeah, go make me some with nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. I just love how he's, That would you know, be a fun moment at a different part of the movie, but it doesn't fit here. I think it does. I disagree. I think it definitely fits. And I, I just, like, like, Tobey Maguire is awesome when he's, like, a prick. Like, the way he's, like, rolling his eyes and pretending to fall asleep and just, like, things like that. And the walking down the street bit, like... All these sort of clips and that on YouTube I see, like, when they rank this as, like, one of the worst films and how they always put this... Like, in context, when you're watching this, just the way, like, that that music is playing, like, the bad... It is bad music, I will say that. Um, But just, like, him walking down the street and just, like... I don't know. I like it. It's just got a charm to it that I enjoy, the way he's doing it. Because he's just let this take over him. And it's, it's the geek trying to be cool. That's, to me, what's so fun about it. And then, like, the way he walks into that shop and comes out with a suit and does his whole little fist roll thing and pointing at it. Like, that 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 would be me if I had something take over me and I think I'm cool. <laughs> I'm walking down the street going, hey, ladies. Forget and they're that. still looking at me going, like, what the fuck is that? That's how you roll out of bed in the morning. <laughs> 
that's how I go to. That's how I drive down the street. I'm like, hey, get on up, like you know, emo fringe. I love the the Betty scene. It's not the position I hired for you. And like, I get kind of like you seem like there's an inconsistency. Like most people are looking and going, what the fuck. But, I mean, there are, you know, women who would be genuinely attracted to him. Clearly, Betty Brandt loves the dark men. So, like, you know, that's how it rolls. And Ursula, I think, just likes anything with Peter in it. Um, and then, yeah, did we get to the... We didn't get to the, the scene yet in the jazz club, did we? But, um, no. yeah, I I just... I don't know. I just like it. I enjoy it. It's it's. I think you said in the last one how, like, obviously they've tried to replicate the, the sun, the raindrops a bit. I just like this better. I've just always found this one, and I like... This is one of these things in this film that it's kind of like... I can sort of see why people will, you know, really not like it, but this is one of the ones that I really like about this film. I just think it's it's fun. Okay. Um, well, that was pointless. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Thanks for that. Okay. Uh, you know, I was like, yeah, touchdown in your face, Colin Hilding. Well, that was pointless. Next. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to blow up your face for that. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's get to something else I'm interested to see if you defend or not. Uh, before we get there, uh, Sandman reforms. Are we led to believe this is about what, six weeks later and <laughs> taking him to get on this tour? <laughs> very, very, very thick, dirty sewers in New York, remember? Yeah. Uh, and he just instantly dries out. Um, but this is where I will disagree with the criticisms of there being too many villains in this. Uh, one of the things I liked about this when I first saw it, because there were criticisms early on that there were too many villains, even like opening day, I remember the, the just the regular critics saying there's too many villains in this. They balance the villains well enough. Not well enough that we get enough development for any of them. This could have been a whole Harry movie. We could have had a whole Sandman movie. We could have had a whole Venom movie. But we're never seeing all these villains at the same time until the last 20 minutes. It's basically all Harry for 30 to 40 minutes and then it's all sandman for about 40 minutes and then it becomes all venom with a bit of sandman and then harry comes in in the end it's not until uh sandman's out of it that harry really emerges as the villain again and it's not until harry's out of it with the blowing up his face (laughs) that sandman comes back so i like that they balanced it so it's not like we're just constantly bombarded by a million villains which a lot of the movies Marvel makes now that people love to praise make the exact same mistake. Uh, and I don't think they do it as well. But we do lose a lot of the character development. That's a problem. The jazz club scene. Another one I cut almost completely. Uh, let me explain how I edited this one differently. Um, the emo scene completely. Peter arrives at the club with Gwen Stacy. We see he's moving on. And then they get welcomed to the club, and she's like, isn't that your girlfriend? He's just like, yeah. And then in the real movie, he goes on to play the piano. The way it cuts to him playing the piano, it's just comical, but it's not intentionally comical, I don't think. And then he gets up and starts doing the worst jazz dance I've ever seen on the piano and everything. It's so goofy and cartoony, and this movie's again supposed to be getting darker and more serious. And it's just ridiculous to watch. The way I edited this differently was they just came into the club... And Gwen's like, isn't that your girlfriend? And then you cut to after the dance is all over and Peter walks up to MJ and she just looks at him and says, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then it's like the guy's fighting over and he accidentally slaps her and leaves. You don't have to have any of this dancing in the middle. It, it just wrecks what 
could have been a really good scene of just showing how dark Peter's gotten. And you know, he accidentally hits her. You know, nothing's going to endear your hero back to the audience like domestic abuse. Let's <laughs> throw some of that in here. Let's make you like Peter again. I don't know how that's supposed to work. But after this, we get the greatest sequence of this entire movie. Uh, one of the few reasons I can still go back to this year after year is the Venom transformation and Peter losing the black suit, which him losing the black suit in this Venom thing comes almost directly from the comics again. Um, the, the fact that it's like this church bell thing that, you know, he fights it off. The way he's peeling it off his body, the music that's playing, uh, how tense it is. P Tobey Maguire's performance doesn't get enough credit for how he sold this transformation. The motivation of Eddie Brock makes no sense that he would immediately jump to murder. I want you to kill Peter Parker for me. It doesn't work, but the sequence does work. And I love the transformation here uh, away from Black Suit Spider-Man into the Venom thing. It's played so well. It's by far the best scene in the entire movie. Uh, it doesn't even need any action. It's not even that long, but it is the best scene of the movie. And I just think that we needed a lot of these goofy breaks uh, that we had from the point of him putting on the black suit till now. This should have just been a very dark section of the movie. Um, what do we have? The emo, or am I missing Sandman? Sandman wasn't really that important, was it? He reformed. Good for him. Uh, Sandman <laughs> reformed. Where's Zig Dorda? Um, yeah. <laughs> just like, look, I can see more problems with the jazz one for sure. But again, it's just still, I think the way it's kind of playing up, like it's just a fun sequence that kind of turns dark and, I don't know. I, I like it. There's no balance. Uh, I can see it, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's more than you're giving it credit for. I don't know. I, I it just <laughs> that's a really way, weird way of defending it. But I just I just enjoy like kind of because like this is again his moment where he's got to you know like fuck you MJ like it's kind of by dancing a jazz dance on top of a piano. Well, you know it's 1950s New York. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is, Sam Raimi. That's <laughs> how they did things back then. Um, <laughs> but, like, I love how, like, Gwen Stacy all of a sudden goes from being like, oh, I'm openly going to, like, touch Peter in front of your girlfriend at a fancy French restaurant to, oh, my God, that was all for you, all for her. Fuck you. I'm so sorry. I'm not that person. Like, yeah, exactly. Let's just he was be engaged honest. her what a week ago. I just, I just want to just point this out, and um, <laughs> this is not Ben being the anti-feminist here. Apparently, women are portrayed very well in a lot of these movies. The fact that they can't make their minds up, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> but why, like, why does this club openly let random emo creepy guy play a piano? That's my biggest question. <laughs> it's like you know, it's this. this and the whole, band keeps playing. Yeah, well, this whole <laughs> sequence, it's like. Kind of going back to what I said, like, this seems like a cool place to work for. Like, cool, I'm sick of waiting tables. I'm just going to start my singing. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, were people waiting on drinks? And they're just like, MJ, get up on stage and sing. Like, there's a guy in the back <laughs> going, hey, where's my martini? I don't want her singing. She's my waitress. <laughs> um, but, like, the fact that, yeah, they just play along with this guy. And then all of a sudden, they're kicking him out. Like, two seconds ago, like, even the men can't make their mind up in this film. It's not just the women. Um, like, two seconds ago, they're letting him openly dance on a piano and watch this or dig this, whatever he says. Only for, oh <laughs> only for I you. Found the, hold on. I wrote the line down here. Now, he, did, he whispered, now dig this. There you go. Now dig this. <laughs> only for him to go up Sexy to the place. bar to talk to MJ for them to kick him out. For what reason? Talking to MJ? <laughs> like, okay. Um... 
but yeah, so what are, the the look, I don't mind the whole venom sequence. Like I love that shot of him up on top of the church, like the way they pan around of him like head bowed down, like you know, that's a, that's that was in the trailers and everything, wasn't it? Like that was awesome. Um and kind of this goes does this go back to the the scene when Peter says to Dofa face, what does he say like, "Oh, you want forgiveness, go seek religion or something like that?" So it's like Yeah. Here he is in the church. That explains why he's there. And like again, like the because whole... deep down he respects Peter's advice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but like as you said, like why does all of a sudden he just want to kill him? It's like, whoa, you're a very fucked up individual. <laughs> like I've had people do douchey things to me. Like you know, I don't want to kill other podcast hosts who did shit to us. But like, well, <laughs> maybe I need to go to church and start praying. And like in all seriousness, too, like you've got this sequence. It's all like. Yeah, you know, God, you know, I really need to ask you for You think, like, he's going to ask for forgiveness or, like, you know, like, whatever. He's asking God to kill Peter. Like, like I, I, I'm not religious. I don't know how prayer works. But, like, I'm sure you can't ask God to kill someone. Like, is that why you <laughs> ask Satan to do it? Like, isn't that his <laughs> job? <laughs> like... Yeah, if... And if you did, you'd probably have a good motive for yes. it, not I lost my job. <laughs> sure, Eddie, what did he do to you? Oh, he just <laughs> um went to a restaurant with a girl that I went on one date with and then kind of got me fired from something that I did really bad even though I prevented him from getting the job. Okay, that sounds like a douchey thing. I will kill him. <laughs> like, come on. And how how does he... See, I'm sorry I'm, like, shitting over your favourite scene here. But, like, when he walks into that bell tower, he looks all the way out to the top. Like, why does he go into the bell tower? He's in a church. Bells chime in churches. There's nothing unusual about that. And then he, like, looks up. This tower's, like, 50 metres high. You can't see shit. And all of a sudden he's like, Parker. Like... Is this guy got the best vision ever? Yeah. <laughs> but out, yeah. outside of that nitpicking, I do enjoy it. Like, uh, you know, we get sort of the ripping off the goo and then, uh, yeah, formed into Venom. And uh, are we covering the bit here where he's in the alley with um, Sandman and he's just like... Well, yeah, we'll cover that. We could do it now. Um, uh, I was, was going to add on that. It's just, A, how does he know where he is? B, why the hell does he know so much about this guy? The way he's like, I know you're trying to fix your, you know, sick daughter. How? Like, how do you know that? You're a photographer, not an investigative journalist. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also like, why, like, why does does Sandman want to kill Spider-Man? Like, I kind of, he's being annoying, but has he at any point said, Sandman wants to kill Spider-Man? Like, shouldn't he just be like, well, dude, I've accidentally already killed someone already. This kind of got me into this mess. So how about we just hurt him? You can kill him, but I won't be involved because I'm Sandman's sick daughter. (laughs) Uh... Well, we'll talk about the scene. Basically, all we had before that was just another Aunt May scene where, you know, <laughs> I can't put my wife before myself. Oh, um, oh well, let's move on. <laughs> That's the last time we'll ever have to have see her. Have we even her, talked about her this movie? I feel like no. I'm just being <laughs> Do we need to? Sexy, young, attractive Rosemary Harris. <laughs> yeah, just, just Ben gushing all over her and her long hair. Rather her the MJ, you know? <laughs> but yeah, there's the... There's the Venom meeting Sandman scene, as you brought up. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, there are moments in this where I like the way Topher Grace plays Venom, like in this scene. It's it's very slimy, and uh, I wish he had played Eddie Brock a little bit more like this, because you almost feel for Eddie Brock, not because, you know, oh, well, Peter Parker deserves to die, 
But if okay, let's interpret him as a character. This is the guy who has one date with a girl. She maybe leads him on a bit. He thinks that they're about to get married. He even says, you know, it's like oh, I'm gonna, I have a girl I'm gonna marry soon. Why does he think? But that? really, there's why does he think that they've been on one well, date? <laughs> well, because he's he's just he's a poor guy who's lonely. And see, this is where no, he's you a could creepy his stalker character. guy who gets too involved after one date. <laughs> yeah, he's me. Way, you he's could me. <laughs> she loves me. She she said hello to me. <laughs> but. The way that they portray him is like you're supposed to feel bad for him. He should have been a little bit slimier and a bit more of a jerk like he is as Venom. And I like some of these moments as him, him with Venom. I don't like one of the lines coming up, which I'll have fun when we get to that one. Uh, but, yeah, this basically sets up the whole climax here, which is, if you know it's Peter Parker, then Mary Jane's kidnapped again. It's the same climax we've seen three times. Villain finds out who Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person. They realize... His heart! You go after his heart! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they kidnap her, and this time she's dangling from a cab. I like the setting here. Uh, I don't love the climax. We'll kind of break the climax up into a few pieces here once we get to it, but we get a couple of these back-and-forth shots, and there's some good editing here with you know, the, the reporter saying uh, this mysterious uh, figure we once thought was the black suit Spider-Man. I wonder how did they say, well, we've now identified him as something completely different. How do they identify him as something completely different? They've never seen Spider-Man without a mask. They're only seeing a black suited Spider-Man here. There's no reason to think it's anything but. Right now, J. Jonah would be jumping all over this. I was right. He's a thief. He's a criminal. Exactly. Uh, And I love that there was the random British reporter in here. Like we had the British photographer earlier. The the woman on the scene is British for some reason in the middle of New York City. Um, she's on a work visa. <laughs> so I see There's no reporters in New York. They just have to hire British people. Like no one in New York wants to yeah. report the news. I mean, why would you? It's a small city. You know, nobody lives there. Oh, uh, you're about to go there. You're gonna land a job as like a Australian reporter on the scene. Get out, mate! Look at this fucking Spider-Man. Fucking fucked, isn't he? <laughs> fucking hell! That's just how our news reporters go. <laughs> You and Chumpy Poolin will be tearing up New York City. Chumpy, <laughs> Chumpy, what's going on? Oh, fuck, Ben, Mary Jane's fucked again. <laughs> the one thing I really do like is the lettering of the Stop Us Spider-Man or whatever yeah. <laughs> done in like the Spider-Man logo. That's pretty cool. Um, and I think it's the only other scene here that leads into the climax is... Uh, where Peter goes to Harry for help. <laughs> Here's the Bernard scene. Oh, can we, can we talk all, about that separately? Can we just like, can we just do that separately? Yeah. No. Well, we'll co- we'll cover. Please. We'll stop here. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop here. But a couple of observations. First, why would Peter even think to go to Harry for help? She j- he just threatened his girlfriend's life <laughs> in like one of the previous scenes, which is what you blew up his face over, basically. <laughs> And now you're like, well, he's willing to kill her just to get back at me. So I'll go to him if I need anybody to help save her. doesn't make any sense. And then we have Bernard, the scene I've been talking about for three movies, where he's like, I've seen a lot of strange things in this house. I loved your father like I love you. And the night he died, I cleaned his naked body and the wounds were from his own glider. All of those lines put together... It, it, totally wrong context. <laughs> the way it's interpreted is all wrong. 
this is what I want, Bernard, as I said last week, to show up in every movie and just say something really awkward, like, the night your father died, I cleaned his wounds. <laughs> the glider that killed him was his own. And how does Bernard know that? <laughs> is he a forensic expert? Because the glider wasn't there. He's like, this looks like a glider wound to me. Not only a glider wound, but self-inflicted. Been around a long time. I know a glider wound when I see one. <laughs> self-inflicted glider wounds are my expertise, son. <laughs> Remember that time I worked with glider victims? Well, now it's coming into foray right now. Finally, my secret life is coming to help my dear friend. Here is our second to last time to talk about Bernard. What do you have to say? Uh, can I, do I talk about the stuff beforehand or what am I doing here? Yeah, well, you can if you want. I mean, it's not very good. Um... What did, what did we miss? Uh, I'm just going to... The Venom Sandman and then the Harry and Peter scene. Oh, that's right. Um, how, so, how does... Does Eddie know he's Peter Parker's Spider-Man based purely on the fact that he saw the black saw Peter ooze come off him? Like, Parker. like he seems to be so sure that that was... Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, the new, <laughs> the new stuff, like... Oh my god, this is like I you shouldn't never have somebody who's a trained journalist on these shows. This is the worst <laughs> news report ever. First of all, that old guy, why is he like the headline guy of like news reports? Like breaking news. That guy looks like he's Bernard's dad. He's like too old. He's too old. And then we have this reporter who's just like, oh no, it looks like Spider Man's in a bit of a pickle. Like, <laughs> And everybody on the street, I know I'm jumping ahead here, again, they're just staring and looking. There's even a firefighter at one point who, like, goes, oh, yeah, there's Spider-Man. Like, why aren't you up there trying to help them? (laughs) They're so reliant on Spider-Man. But this news report, it's like, even just the way, they're literally like, oh, no, doesn't look like Spider-Man's going to get out of this one. Like, you're literally broadcasting somebody getting bashed to death on live television, and your concern is non-existent. You're literally like, oh, well, Spider-Man's about to die. <laughs> I do like, though, that they have, like, the ch- something you would see in a comic, because, like, this may be the end for Spider-Man. Bernard. <laughs> 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 Has Harry turned into Two-Face? Can we just point that out with his, like, half-blown-up face? And that surgery is amazing. Again, what did you say? This is, like, a week after that had happened? Like, again, download our Nip Tuck rewatches via the Oz Network, but, like, surgery takes a little bit longer than that in healing. Like, how does his face look so good when half his head's been blown off? You know? Uh, it's just Harvey Dent's face in the Dark Knight was a little bit more <laughs> destroyed than that. Even Tommy Lee Jones' face was a little bit, you know, more than that. Um, <laughs> oh, but I've seen things in this house I've never spoken <laughs> of. I've written here, rape. Uh, <laughs> that's not to laugh at. I cleaned his wounds. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way he says, I loved your father. Like, there's a bit of a pause there. <laughs> like, in, yeah. what, in what context? And then he's like, as I loved you, <laughs> as your friend. <laughs> of you (laughs) but it's like the thing is again this is what three four years after norman's been raped and murdered like yeah 
<laughs> he yeah. tells him now? <laughs> like, at what point does that conversation come up? Harry, no, you don't have a girlfriend. Um, guests, now, company? Oh, and FYI, uh, Norman's wounds were self-inflicted by his glider. And oh, even, even then, would- like, how do you know that a glider is self-inflicted? Like, Spider-Man could have, like, gotten on the glider and gl- glid in. Is that the word? Glided <laughs> yeah. in. Norman, and it still would have looked the same. How is it suicide by glider is so obvious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so many problems. Um, I cleaned are, your wounds. <laughs> are you done with Bernard? No, I'm never done with Bernard. I want to talk, I want to do an episode on Bernard. A guest? Okay. For now, whenever we have somebody on this show, like an interview, we're going to start off as Bernard. Today, we've got Robert Darby on the show. A guest? A guest? A guest. <laughs> um, so let's go into the climax here. It's basically a two-part fight. Uh, the first part here with Spider-Man. I love that this is basically the scene of terrorist hostage crisis. <laughs> And parents have taken their kids to observe it from the front row. Again, and what again, if this is 9-11. Been... Oh, kids, look at the buildings fall down. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, here comes one of my least favorite lines, and definitely the worst Venom line in the movie, where he's like, my spider sense oh. is tingling, if you know what I'm talking about. God damn First it. of all, how does he know the line, my spider sense is tingling? And he follows that up with... Uh, um, Something about to go get him, Tiger. He uses the Tiger line. How does he know any of this? Like, nothing in this script makes sense. No wonder Gwen Stacy didn't want another date with you. You probably went there and was like, I'm going to get a hot cup of coffee, if you know what I mean. Like, and pointing at her like some guy at the counter. Like, you fucking creep. Like, seriously. You and MJ belong with each other. If that's like, uh, you know, you get in each other's pants. Like, MJ probably has had sex with you in that taxi 50 times before you've been up in that web. And and he's been stalking Peter from his closet or something because yep. he knows the pet names that him and MJ have for each other. Tiger. He's like Spidey the anti-Ursula. Ursula's like all cute and like, oh, I hope you call MJ. And he's just like, Tiger. <laughs> uh, the first part of the fight here um, where it's just Spider-Man being pummeled by sand. <laughs> Is this the end for Spider-Man? <laughs> Zoom in on the fact that uh, his head is slowly getting caved in. <laughs> what great live news footage this is. How about this for Sam Raimi and his young and with it with the times, knowing young people, you get the kids in the crowd, awesome, <laughs> wicked, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this? Uh, the most commonly <laughs> known line from 2007 that kids used, wicked, cool. Yeah. Where's bodacious and radical? <laughs> That's <laughs> swell. How swell is Spider-Man? And here's another problem. I love the part with Jay Jonah being like, where's Parker? I need a camera. And he gets the kid. He buys the, the yes. camera off the kid. And then she's like, film is extra. But who's using film in 2007? Like, <laughs> and, 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 My grandma had a digital camera by 2007. And that camera is not getting any decent photos. Like, yeah, that, exactly. is a, that is a $2, like, camera. He's <laughs> got no They're zoom on it. Is he the worst, like, newspaper editor ever? Air. <laughs> You're not going to get anything. Oh, here's our front page, Parker. Zoomed in shot of the dot. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
And yeah, we get a, a couple of shots of Sandman here getting shot. Mm. So here's more of him getting shot. I don't mind Sandman as a comic book character. It does not translate well when most of this fight is just a giant sand creature slowly moving, growling, and being shot by bullets that go straight through him. And getting bigger um, and bigger. Like, we were talking before about, like, every time there's sand somewhere, that's, like, his pancreas or whatever. Yeah. Like, at what point did we ever discover that he can just become giant, massive? Like, could he not just go to any yeah. beach in the world and just become, like, this massive thing? Well, he's forming sand. Like, when he's in the back of the, the trailer that has sand, I get that he's forming himself. He can take sand and maybe assimilate it and make it part of him. But he's in the middle of New York City. Like, how much sand do you see there? How much is he pulling up from the street? Well, that's why they're that, at a that... construction site, because there just happens to be that amount of sand there. <laughs> they should have done this sequence yeah. at, like, the international volleyball championships at Madison Square Garden, like the beach volleyball championships or set this film in like yeah. California or something like that. Let's just group the whole climax here together because we're running long and the, <laughs> there's not a lot of good stuff. I, mean, I used to love this climax. And I still do find entertainment out of it, even though it should have been done so much differently. Um, the, the thing where Harry shows up, yeah, it's a nice moment. I like the way that the fight scene is done, even though the effects don't work. The problem, again, is that we're now looking at the same type of computer-generated stunts where you can see the person's face, so it's very clear it's not a real stunt person. Uh, they should have had a mask on both of them here. It would have made it look a lot better. But I like the thing where they're swinging each other around and the, the whole teamwork. There, there's some fun stuff in there. Um how flames somehow can make Sandman shatter, I don't understand. Uh, and he eventually, again, just gets kind of drenched, and that's it for him. Uh, the Venom fight... Oh, boy. Here we have <laughs> the most iconic character. And I know it comes from the comics that, like, Bells you know, is something that this symbiote can't fight, which is how he gets the suit off. But let's go over the biggest problem here. The, the Venom fight is okay but the way that this ends you have the first movie you have an epic violent ending to the villain he gets stabbed by his own glider <laughs> and bernard cleans it <laughs> my forensic analysis <laughs> stabbed by own glider <laughs> but it is still epic like nobody could disagree with that doc ock sacrifices himself and drowns himself with a giant nuclear ball of energy like the power of the sun in the palm of his hand they can't destroy drowns cranes. himself <laughs> yeah <laughs> it won't suck in a magnetic won't suck in a crane but um but he drowns himself in the river those are epic deaths in this movie one villain is killed by water and the other one by bells <laughs> this is how you want to end your trilogy sam raimi he surrounds them with metal poles and rings the bells. <laughs> and then Topher Grace can't live without the suit. And it's like, it'll it'll consume you. Don't do it. And he dump, jumps in there as the bomb goes off. It's just the wrong way to end this movie. I had no way to edit around it. You had to keep it in here. Um, we'll stop before we get to the final party scenes. But in the middle of all this, Harry kind of almost dies or is on the verge of death. Uh, take it away, Ben. How do you like the climax? Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit more action-packed, I think, in a way, almost in Spider-Man 2, just 
just in a weird way, but I'm not saying it's a better thing. Like I enjoy the, the, doc the final scene. Yeah. If you're including the train fight, then no way. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> I do the, the, the fact when, uh, Dofa gopher face, um, <laughs> when, you know, he's all, what does he say? Like to Parker, like, do you remember what you did to me? Like for fuck's sake, this was like a day ago. You dickhead. Like, I mean, if I'm and he Parker, says he stole his girlfriend. I, if I'm Parker, I would literally be like, "Yeah, I basically did what you did to me, not as bad." And when he's like, "Oh, mm. you stole my girl," uh, no, I didn't. I went out to rub, you know, MJ's face and the fact that I'm with another girl and she rejected me, dude. She's single. Have her. Like, I mean, it's like, <laughs> just you know, he needs to needs to calm down there. I would say Ven- Venom's fucking freaky. Like the whole teeth and yeah. the whole like that mouth and just yeah, he's. Like very freaky if he was only played by someone better. I've written here cameraman <laughs> derp face. I don't think at some point there was what? a cameraman like in the background, like looking up at the screen, like nah, nah, nah. I don't know. That's just my weird notes. Um, I've written <laughs> always roars. Nah, um, but I, I like it when um, Harry shows up. Um, it's kind of, you know, here he is teaming up. And like, I like their kind of scenes together when they're like on the glider and, you know, hang on to something. Hang on to what? Like, it's just kind of, yeah. and what does he say? Like at one point, oh, give me your hand. Or when he like shows up to MJ and that, it's like, oh, am I interrupting something? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just kind of like that sort of stuff. Uh, the, Jameson, the Jameson bit with the car. Oh, fuck. I love that bit. So good. And that kid. That kid's a bitch, but she's awesome. <laughs> that, well, that kid is Sam Raimi's daughter, by the way. Oh, is it? And the awesome, the awesome, wicked, cool kids are his sons. <laughs> I mean, how old was he when he started having kids? Like, I mean, <laughs> as you were saying, he's we know old. he's about he's about eighty years old after all. <laughs> his great grandchildren or something like that. <laughs> um. I just, like, the whole Venom sequence and, like, you know, the fact that he's just, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, don't take the suit away from me. I like being bad. And then it's like, you know, when he jumps in and kills himself basically with it. I mean, it's like, really? He's just the weirdest sort of way this is done. I kind of going, like, when you say about, like, too many villains. Like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I've never kind of felt... I don't know, I'm kind of... I can see why people see it's a problem, but at the same time, I've never thought... Like, I, I, I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 has too many villains, and I think that works worse than this. It's just, a lot of the time, the way this is kind of random, as I was saying before, how things are random, it's like, you, you often forget, oh, that's right, the Sandman's in this film. Uh, oh, that's yeah. right, Harry is the new Goblin. Uh, oh, that's mm-hmm. right, Venom's here, even though he wasn't... You don't know Venom <laughs> exists until the last, like, 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, the whole, I, I like the idea behind like the pipes and the sound, but it's shit in a way. Like when you kind of analyze it, he died by loud vibrations. <laughs> like the way sort of, I actually, one bit I really like in the amazing Spider-Man two is, um, that bit at the end when, was it like electro whatever plays the, you know, incy wincy spider, you know, the vroom, 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 yeah. and the way he's like, oh, I hate that song. Like it kind of, I don't know. I just, it reminded me of that. Um, but then like the bit, so like Harry's stabbed. So he's like dying. And then MJ has to like jump down what, like two flights of stairs to basically be like, I'll go get help. Like, you've wasted a good five minutes in that period to just see him to utter the words, I'll get help. Like, 
This is and who's he... he going to? Like the NYPD? Yeah, well, exactly. We haven't met the paramedics uh, in any of these spots, yeah. so maybe they're the good ones. But like, this this is a point, MJ, where you yell out, "Harry, I'll get help!" Not, "I'll come to you," because <laughs> that's the reason why he says, "No, stay," because he was going to survive in that five minutes. Um, mm. It's it's a sad little sequence. Oh, Harry's dead. Um, but. The are we going through the Marco bit, or is that the bit where you wanted to? End? If you're done with that, we can jump into oh, it. There's now. the one bit I just wanted to say, kind of going on. Uh, I mentioned the everything wrong with Spider-Man three video. If anyone's, I know I mentioned honest trailers a lot, but the, the honest trailer of they do with the Spider-Man trilogy is hilarious because they always kind of like do the credits and they close it out with just a scene where they do a bit funny. So the way they close out this is they put the sequence here of of. Spider-Man Peter Parker like crying over Harry dying you know with all the tears in his face similar to what you've got as your profile picture and then they just end it with wuss (laughs) so it it just reminds me of this scene like it's all emotional here he is crying I just picture in the back of my head wuss (laughs) anyway yeah that's that's my um but yeah you mentioned Flint he has his speech about why he really he just reappears all of a sudden and he has his speech which it's a good speech uh, I think if this were done differently, if we had at least one real villain, then this would be okay. But Sam Raimi spends so much time trying to make you feel for his villains in the movie and so little time trying to make you actually feel for his hero that I don't think he realizes that more screen time is spent showing Peter as this you know, completely unredeemable, despicable heel. And... His villains, you just want you, he wants you to cry over them. Mm. We and it's okay to have Sandman be like this if you had Venom as just a real evil villain. But even Venom, you know, if you look at his death, Peter's basically trying to say, "I know it's not you, Eddie. It's the suit," and Eddie just can't let go of it. So now you're supposed to feel for him like it wasn't his fault. And of course, it's not Harry's fault either because Harry, you know, was just living a lie and he he didn't understand the whole situation. So none of these villains apparently did anything wrong. And Flint gives a story which is nice about how, you know, Uncle Ben was the only one who wanted to do the right thing and, uh, you know, uh, it, it wasn't uh, what I intended okay? to do and just, I'm so sorry. Quickly, he, he we're talking about another terrible movie. Every time it's a terrible movie, this is what happens. I'm just, I'm just concerned about your child in the background there. <laughs> Uh, he's like, stop! The movie should have ended 20 minutes ago because this is a long movie too. Let's not forget that. This is like 20 minutes longer than the other Spider-Mans. But uh, if you were going to have Sam and be like this, have at least one really evil villain. And we didn't have that here. So I feel like this ending is just kind of disappointing, especially when you consider that Sandman is saying, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. And we get this ending of Peter, I love you, MJ. And she's like, I love you, Peter. It's like, we both, I love you, Harry. And it's like, we love you, Flint. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden in this love fest. And he gets away as in, it's okay, I forgive you. I've done terrible things too, like jazz dancing. But it's all right. (laughs) And then he just flies away into the sunrise. (laughs) But... What about all the other people he robbed from and murdered and terrorized? And where does he go? Like, what's 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 now yeah. for Sandman? Like, is he just good now? He's good, Sandman. Fixed all time, good now. Like, we talked about how it was a problem that these kids were out late at night just watching this act of terrorism. But this is right before dawn. This is like four thirty in the morning. What are these kids all doing out there? But yeah, it's just it's the wrong ending, and the whole crying thing is just over the top. Um. 
of course I edited out the crying here. I'll go into what happened <laughs> can, next. Can we you, get the funeral. Is that what you want to do with Casper sometimes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jamie, let's edit Casper, out the part where he's crying right now. <laughs> you keep this up and I'll edit you out, kid. <laughs> uh, but I, all my notes say is, please stop sobbing. <laughs> I can't take this. That's not your notes again. That's Casper in the background. You're not even watching yeah. the movie. Oh, please stop sobbing. Daddy's watching Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Um, so after this we get Harry's funeral another funeral um, why is Gwen Stacy at Harry's funeral yeah like I that's I've written why is the captain and Gwen here like y- you know yeah sure they were besties that's like the Norman <laughs> Peter bit like they're besties the other thing that uh, is interesting here if you look really closely Flash Thompson yes. is in the funeral yes. that's nice <laughs> We talked about wanting him back. Uh, and then following this, Peter goes to Mary Jane's jazz club. And we have just... It, I find it just an awkward moment. I don't know if this was intentional or not, because I still think it's the wrong way to end the movie. You know, Peter has this really good line here. Um, uh, what's? Do you remember his final line here? Uh, choo- about choosing to do what's right? And then... I didn't write it down, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. It's something about choosing... Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a hero is one who chooses to do what's right. And then it cuts into the jazz club and he goes and they dance now it's not him going into the jazz club and proposing to her or anything like that they just go in and they dance and i don't understand that at all i mean we've spent this entire movie basically making both of these characters despicable people neither of them are good people as we've learned throughout this entire trilogy they've progressively gotten worse their relationship is a mess uh, they've messed around on each other so much. And I understand that a lot of people are going to complain and say, well, Spider-Man is supposed to be a character that has flaws and stuff like this. Sam Raimi wasn't trying to make these flaws. Sam Raimi didn't get when he made this movie that a lot of these m- things were mistakes. You know, you were supposed to feel for these characters and it has the opposite effect. So to end this on a scene where they don't even look happy, mm. the way I, I finished watching this movie thinking, well, they have to have a Spider-Man 4 now because it looks like they're about to break up and they're just... You know, living this lie, like, I still love you, sure. But it's just nothing about the scene works. And when I re-edited this, I had that funeral scene. No sobbing. We're grown men here. Come on. <laughs> wow. Wow. Even Colin Hilding can't put crying at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was crying over the... <laughs> it's the James Vanderbeek meme, basically. <laughs> you can make Tobey Maguire cry here. But... You have that, you have the funeral, you have them have that line about choosing to do what's right. And then I faded out from that and faded into the closing shot from the first Spider-Man of him flying through the air and standing on the American flag. And I'm like, that's the way to end a movie when you have him talking about choosing to do what's right as a hero. I don't get this last scene, so that's kind of the end of the movie. Any thoughts on it? Any disagreements? I, I we've kind of been in agreement most of this movie. Well, like, I agree with the yeah. The I don't like how this ends. I it just feels weird given that how we've had the first two films end, and it's I mean it's done in a way that you expect a sequel. I mean, I guess there were going to be sequels. I'm sure you'll talk about that, uh, no doubt, in the closing bits. But um, mm. yeah, and it, it is a depressing end because it's it's kind of it's not like. At least in the first one, when it's kind of like, oh, you know, MJ loves Peter, and oh, no, but I can't be with you. It's kind of, you know, at least there was a bit of, you know, conclusion to that in a way. Then the second one, it was, you know, happy and romantic because here she's in a wedding dress. Like, yeah, they're finally going to be together. This one is kind of like, well, are they still fighting? Are they back together? Yeah. Like, um, 
It you, doesn't make sense. Yeah, you just feel like they're just going to, like, he's still sleeping on the couch that night. Like, it's kind of, you yeah. know. Um, just the Marco Polo. Marco Polo. <laughs> um, the the scene, like, I, I don't mind it in a way. Like, it's it, it's interesting how when you, you do go over them, like, none of these villains are technically bad. They're all, like, just back to Marco's line about, like, I'm not a bad person. I've just had bad luck. Um, yeah. So that kind of sums up all the villains. Uh, the the one line that I want to single out here is, you know, when he's talking about how this happened with Ben Parker and, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, he was good and all this sort of stuff. When he says the line, I spent a lot of nights thinking, uh, you know, wishing I could take it back. He doesn't say, I've thought every night I wish I could take it back. He's just literally said, yeah. there have been some nights I've thought about it. Other nights, now nah, I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> he's like, you could have been like, you know, every once in a while, I think to myself, I shouldn't have killed that guy, but then I smarten up. <laughs> Other nights, I realize I'm a man. I'm not allowed to cry at funerals. So, like, <laughs> you're going to take, take your lumps when you get them. So I killed someone. Suck it up. I'm a man. Uh, <laughs> I love the fact that you said, like, when Parker says, when he says the line, I've also done bad things, too. I've literally, like, what? What have you done that's bad? <laughs> You're Spider-Man. Slapped his girlfriend? (laughs) You know, you really haven't. Um, But, like, yeah, I don't like the whole, I forgive you. Like, dude, no. (laughs) I don't forgive him. I. This is me. Like, when May's giving that whole thing about revenge and how it takes over, I'm, like, this is, again, maybe I hate Topher Grey so much because it's probably going to be me. I'm Eddie Brock. Like, I want revenge. Like, fuck. You, but at the same time, it's I like. How would have you killed him? Because he does just float away off to you know move to somewhere with lots of sand. He's in Hawaii right now, just. Um, but like, how would you kill him? Is that ever in a comic book? Like, how do you kill Sandman? I don't know. <laughs> You're googling water? it right now. How do you kill water? Sandman? And then Burning. you freeze the water, <laughs> yeah. and you just preserve him forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really mean the funeral. Yeah, another funeral. Why didn't we have a funeral for Doc Ock? Like, we never... <laughs> like... <laughs> the only villain who actually saved people. Yeah, exactly. You know, poor Doc Ock. Let's have one for him right now. Not allowed to cry, though, because it's a funeral. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you're a man. And you're a man. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, what's what's Mary Jane's song at the end there? Said a Jew to love. Like, shut up. No, you didn't. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I've got... Uh, yeah, the, the ending, I don't like the ending. It's just the way it fades out. But um, yeah, wow, Spider-Man 3. Wow. <laughs> How did we the talk about this one in less time than Spider-Man 2? <laughs> because it's a terrible movie and I wanted to rush through this. Uh, let's wrap it Spider-Man up. credits are closing. That's Spider-Man 3. What do you think? Uh, let's do our, I don't know if this is the order we do it in, but let's do our ratings now first. Sure. Um, <laughs> is this, uh, uh, buy it, rent it, bin it, what is it, Ben? Um, uh, I'd like to get Casper's thoughts right now. He clearly wants to <laughs> bin it. Um, look, I was thinking I might come into this as buying and I was thinking like, hey, I'm going to, you know, be the rebel and be like, fuck you world. This is a good movie. <laughs> let's, let's buy it. Uh, and I do like this movie a lot more than most people do. And I do like I like this. I can watch this movie easily. Like, you know, it's never one that you, you said before you struggled through it. I, I don't. I, I love it. I, I can enjoy it. But I don't, like, holding a candle, I don't want to look at my ratings in, like, a year time and see that I bought this along with Spider-Man 1 and 2 because you would just, without listening to an episode, you would assume, well, you rated as highly as those two. And I, I don't. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then I sort of look ahead to the next film and, like, I don't hate The Amazing Spider-Man, but I do not like it as much as I enjoy these three films. So it's kind of then, well, do I have them in the same category as Rent, Rent? I don't know. Uh, look, I'm going to rent it. Um as much as again, I do. This would, this would be a rent, rent, rent a lot, um, you know. So, but yeah, I, I don't know if I can just be swayed over enough to buy it. I don't even think I've defended it well in my head in this recap to kind of warrant <laughs> buying it. I'm not going to bin it, that's for sure. So, uh, let's. Buy out. Well, I thought you <laughs> would. Uh, yeah, I'm renting. So here we go. I want to hear your bin it excuse. We don't have many bin it's often. So here we uh, go. So it's definitely bin it for me. Um, I, I can honestly say, though, I do own this, so <laughs> it is something I did buy. <laughs> He's going to throw it out it. afterwards. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I also want to say, like, I was a big fan of the other Spider-Man movies, and I bought both of those when they first came out. This one was out for years, and I never owned it. And the first time I bought it was before, I think, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 came out. So, uh, what was that, 2012? 12, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I bought it. I bought it in a box set so I could get the entire trilogy on Blu-ray. Um, so, in all fairness, I do own it, but I only bought it for the other movies. And I think if I'm rating this as its own movie, if this were the only Spider-Man movie ever made, there's no way I would buy this. This would be like the, up there with Daredevil, where I'm like, maybe I'll watch it under oh. morbid curiosity years later. I watch it because I love the other movies, and yeah, I, I, I like jk simmons and toby mcguire and kristen dunce and james franco you know in their past movies not as much here uh but it doesn't hold up well it, it gets worse with every year that passes i feel so uh this is definitely the bid now there was probably a point where it was a rent it and when i first saw it it was definitely a buy it you know definitely not as strong as the first two but yeah it just gets worse with more time passes just looking at that so it's, it's interesting kind of when we started you know we merged this podcast into what it is and we came up with this rating system if we had to analyze every movie episode that we've done through everything you have just brought us the fourth binet out of everything so the only binets <laughs> we've had you and i both been thirst uh, Ethan Zahn binned the 10th episode of Survivor Game Changers, <laughs> and now you have, uh, you've entered the fourth realm of, of binning it. So it's kind of... We, we, we need to start doing things we don't like, Colin. <laughs> we're getting yeah. too much into things we're liking too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there'll, there'll be more to come, because you've at least alluded towards one that I suspect you might bin. But... That'll be in the next film series, which is what's coming next. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. We'll talk a little bit more about the wrap-up of Spider-Man 3 here. Uh, As far as box office goes, we mentioned this in the last few, that domestic box office, each Spider-Man movie made less and less. Still should be said, though, that every Spider-Man movie has made over $200 million at the domestic box office. This one's right in the middle. Uh, Third highest grossing Spider-Man movie as of now, uh, $336 million domestically. Do you think it will get beaten? Worldwide. Just quickly, do you think this will get... uh, What do you think? Homecoming. Do you think it will take this? I think Homecoming will probably... I mean, it's going to overtake Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, It might end up falling in between... Uh, the two Amazing Spider-Man movies, or it might slightly outgross Amazing Spider-Man 1. I honestly feel like people are Spider-Man fatigued, and I don't think changing it's going to do much. Uh, I think there's a lot of competition, so, Mm. yeah. It's interesting on this list I'm looking here, because they've lumped um, Civil War, Captain America Civil War, into this, because I guess Spider-Man's in it. Um, For a couple 
if you count that, then that technically is the highest rating spider because that's 408 mm-hmm. million. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, I mean, I know we're going to do a sort of a preview on Before Homecoming, but it's just interesting to think about how, yeah, each of these has kind of gotten less and less and less over the years. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to think if it is that Spider-Man fatigue. But at the same time, um, Spider-Man 3 worldwide, by far the highest grossing, it yeah. made almost $70 million more than the original Spider-Man worldwide, uh, showing that the majority of Spider-Man 3's gross was overseas. And this was probably right in that era where overseas gross was starting to mean more than U.S. gross, uh, which now, you know, all of a sudden, movies can get greenlit for sequels without barely making a cent in North America. Uh, that's how powerful overseas box office is. But yeah, number one worldwide. Uh, the soundtrack, we didn't mention anything about the soundtrack on the second one. So I want to kind of get a quick opinion of you on the, the only song that was released from this was that Snow Patrol song, <laughs> Signal Fire, that plays at the end. Not nearly at the level of Hero or Vindicated or uh, what was that train song from the second one even. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I ever heard the soundtrack all the way through. Um, and, and definitely, if you look at like the, the original soundtrack, I think it was a top five album on Billboard. This one debuted at number 33. And I think a lot of that was just the, the changing age that, as we said, the first Spider-Man was like the last of the big you know, music artist soundtracks. Uh, and then after that, it just went into original scores. Um, so, yeah, soundtrack's kind of a downward trend in the Spider-Man movies as well. I'm just looking... I didn't really know many of the music at all from this third one. I'm just looking at the um, soundtrack now. Uh, <laughs> it's Kirsten Dunst, track number 17. Because um, yeah. I, I, I noticed in the credits, yeah, definitely I was thinking it was The Killers. It is The Killers, very, uh, you know... What's his name? Brandon Flowers. Very unique voice. Uh, but I'm looking here. A few Australian artists on uh, on the uh, the soundtrack. Wolfmother, Jet, uh, <laughs> Chubby Checkers like on the there. Canadi- all the Canadians in the first one, and they have all the Australians in the third one? Well, as I think I mentioned in, in Spider-Man 2, like the Australian version of the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack had a yeah, Killing Heidi song, I Am, which I absolutely love, which I'm sad kind of didn't make the international version, but, you know, look it up. It's a great song, and the film clip's got lots of Spidey stuff in it. Um, but it, it is interesting, kind of like even looking at the Spider-Man Two center It's got Jet on there as well. Jet's very popular in there amongst the, the Spider-Man soundtracks. But uh, when the second soundtrack's got Hooberstank on it, that's why we didn't talk about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like a, it kind of feels like to... it didn't. Sorry, you go. Yeah, you go. I was just going to say, if I were to pick all my favorite songs from all three movies, I'd probably pick the Dashboard Confessional song "Vindicated" from the second one as my favorite. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I, I, I'm, I'm just weirdly in love with Hero. Like, I just love that song. and I, like, I don't like saying the words love and song with Chad Kroger involved, but um, <laughs> there's just something about that song. Like, I often forget that that is Chad Kroger. <laughs> I mean, I know his voice, yeah. as we established on one of my other radio shows in the last 24 hours, sounds like a goat. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good song, but... Yeah, I, I, I still like I Am by Killing Hardy. I know it's sort of not the mainstream one, but also the Spider-Man theme by The Boob. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> the Boob. The Boob! <laughs> um, critically, this one doesn't hold up, although it is funny to say, if you look at the... 63% of Rotten Tomatoes is not that bad, and it, I think that this deserves a little worse than that. Um, the first two just got such glowing reviews that there was really no way 
that uh, anything could live up to that. But, I mean, that's a huge drop. And I remember when the reviews started coming out, I started to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with this movie. IMDb, it holds like a 6.2. So basically, critics and audiences are completely in agreement on this. But I still think both of those are way too kind for this movie. Um, most critics we mentioned, Roger, Roger Ebert on the first two, um, he's right back to basically having this right down the middle. Majority of the critics were more or less divided. They liked, they liked the performances, didn't really like the movie. Everybody complained there were too many villains. We went over that. Um, overall, I don't know what the legacy of this movie is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're going to get into debates over this, but I would still argue that even though a lot of people were negative about Amazing Spider-Man 2, that this probably still has the reputation of being the worst Spider-Man movie overall. I would agree with that. I find that generally when people talk about Spider-Man, they always say this is the worst. And, like, I, I watched sort of one of these countdown things recently where it was, like, you know, worst superhero sequels of all time, and this was, you know, this actually was number 10. Number one, I think, mm-hmm. was... What was number one? I can't even remember. Batman. It wasn't even Batman and Robin, was it? I think it was an... Um, yeah, anyway, we're getting sidetracked. But, um, you know, and it's kind of interesting that I never, when I sort of read all the things about Spider-Man in film, like, t- The Amazing Spider-Man 2 never really gets lumped in there as much as, like, this was terrible. Like, I've seen a few, but I by far think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the worst. It's... I just... Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I think we're definitely going to have a, a red bin it for me on that one. But, um... Yeah, look, I, I guess kind of with legacy with this one. I mean, it was, it was interesting to think how they rebooted. I rem- I still remember when I found out, and again, we'll probably talk about this more in the next one. But I remember when I found out they were rebooting, and I was so pissed off. Like, I mean, it's you kind of we're in that age now. Whenever you hear something's being rebooted or you know redone, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, really? You know, like why are they doing that? And with Spider Man, it was like, what? Like why? Why? We just had this. This was new. It was, you know, it wasn't like a Batman that had been around for a long time, so you could maybe understand it. And you know, the Spider Man sort of real blockbuster films had just been new, and it just felt way too soon. Um, Because yeah. like they, so they were meant to be doing what a four and a five, but then it kind of there was like yeah. something happened with Sony or something along those lines, didn't it? So, well, I mean, really. All that happened was, for one thing, the script was so big for this one at one point that they said they wanted to turn this into both three and four and eventually decided against it. Um, Sam Raimi said this was going to be the last one of his trilogy. Tobey Maguire said it would be the last one of the trilogy. And when the reviews started coming out, everybody assumed, well, they're definitely going to make this the last one. But it almost feels like, I think even Sam Raimi has said in the years since that he didn't like this movie at all. And they both wanted to make up for it. And they spent uh, a good two or three years working on it. Lots of scripts, lots of development, lots of villains they went through. You know, Dr. Uh, Kirk Connors, who we've had in a couple of these movies here by Dylan Baker, at one point was meant to be the villain as Lizard. Um, they had Vulture in one of the scripts, Craven the Hunter. They, they, they went through every possible villain. Black Cat was supposed to be in one. Um Eventually, I guess what happened, I didn't know if it had anything to do with uh, Sony. Um, I originally heard that Sam Raimi, it was going on for like a year where he's like, nah, now he's not doing it. Nah, now he's not doing it. Eventually, Sony said, yeah, we're going ahead with Spider-Man 4 without Sam Raimi. But the thing is, is that they kept their original screenwriter. The screenwriter that was working on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4 was held over. So for the longest time, I believed that The Amazing Spider-Man was just a reworking of what was supposed to be Spider-Man 4. That's not really the case. But Sony just said, listen, we're not going to wait for Sam Raimi forever, nor should they really. Um, so they decided they'd go with it. And the, uh, what they said at one point was that 
the amazing Spider-Man was going to be Peter Parker back to being a high school student. That they wanted a whole trilogy of him as a high school kid again. And that we would not be getting, at one point they said we would not be getting a complete reboot of the same origin story with Solomon that held up. But we'll get into that in the next one. We can kind of tease it a bit here. Um, Amazing Spider-Man did come five years after this. A lot of people do say that's too soon, but Batman Begins was like, what, seven, eight years after Batman and Robin? Seven. Uh, bit of a different, yeah, a bit of a different situation, I guess, because Batman and Robin was like a real low point and Batman Begins was a complete change in tone. But still... I don't feel like five years is necessarily too long. Um, I'm a big fan of The Amazing Spider-Man. I wasn't expecting much. I was very uh, skeptical going in, uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. So when we get to that, I think especially the first Amazing Spider-Man, I'm going to have a lot of good things to say about it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, look, again, uh, I've not hidden my desire that I much prefer Tobey Maguire and, and sort of these films. But, I mean, again, having said that, I, I don't mind a lot of what's in The Amazing Spider-Man. I don't dislike the first Amazing Spider-Man film. There's a lot of stuff that I do enjoy. There's a lot of stuff, though, that you just kind of like, well, we've seen this before, you know, and then there's a lot of Andrew Garfield stuff that kind of I don't like compared to Tobey Maguire. But then, you know, there's a lot of stuff in terms of Andrew Garfield that I do kind of like. I don't dislike Andrew Garfield. He's not Topher Grace. You know, I, I, I like Andrew Garfield. It's just, yeah, we'll get to that. But it's it's interesting because I, I, I remember when it came out, and again, jumping ahead, but, like, I, I was sort of, I wasn't desperate to see it, which was weird because I enjoyed the first three yeah. so much. And I think I ended up going to see it because we won tickets to it in a radio competition. So I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll go see it then. Um, so, and, like, it's it's been one that, I'll easily go back and watch the Tobey Maguire ones before I even go and rewatch the Amazing. Like I said, I sort of rewatched all these not long before we've done all this again. And I think kind of when I got around to watching the Amazing Spider-Man, I don't think I'd actually seen it since I saw it in the movies. So a lot of it kind of was fresh again. And as I said, I'd never seen the Amazing Spider-Man two until this year. So I didn't see that. That was the only one I never saw in the cinemas. So um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to talk about it. Interested to kind of really be my third watch of it. <laughs> also, third watch available. That wasn't even intentional. <laughs> I just realised what I said. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting and definitely uh, fun to kind of move into to the Amazing Spider-Man ones. It's an end of an era here. The end of <laughs> Sam Raimi. <laughs> We do have Amazing Spider-Man coming up in a week, Amazing Spider-Man 2 after that, and then, fingers crossed, a Homecoming preview along with a recap of all the Spider-Man movies. But we do want to do a quick recap here just on the Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, any parting thoughts as we leave Sam Raimi behind? I, I am literally what's happening in your profile picture on Skype right now over the thought <laughs> that we've got no more Tobey Maguire. Um <laughs> Yeah, I miss Toby. And let's be honest, Toby's done nothing since Spider-Man 3. I mean, he did The Great Gatsby, was Brothers, was that after Spider-Man 3? Yeah. That's about it. So, um, poor Toby. But look, you know, we don't have to rip shit into MJ anymore, so that's probably a positive. Um, But yeah, look, they're enjoyable films, I think, even Spider-Man 3. So, you know, it's it's kind of that unique... um, that period of superhero films, isn't it? That they sort of started just before things started getting dark and rebooted and kind of ended just as they were sort of starting. So it would have always been interesting to see if four and five had happened, if they would have drastically changed the tone. You know what I mean? So... Uh, look, Sam Raimi, good on him. Uh, he's old. He has young children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can't write for shit. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm sad too that we, we're going to miss out on uh, continuing to see J.K. Simmons. You know, no more J.K. anymore as well. I was with you when you said that about like they could have done an M and Judy Dench and kind of brought him along and also no more Bruce Campbell. So um, <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's Sam Raimi. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sam Raimi reinvented comic book movies. Really, there was no comic book movie success after Superman the movie until Tim Burton's Batman. And depending on, you know, what camp you're in, uh, you know, some people believe that Batman Forever was slightly better than Batman Returns. Some people think Batman Returns is slightly better. Nobody's really on board that either were great. So at this point, we had had one Superman movie and one Batman movie and one X-Men movie. And despite the fact X-Men is what brought this back, Spider-Man is what made this big. And every Marvel movie that's out now has Spider-Man. Uh, what, it always bothers me when people you know, think that Marvel deserves to own everything now. Yeah, they own their own comics, but they sold the rights to these to Sony years ago. They sold the X-Men rights to Fox. And the idea that it's like, well, Marvel should get this back... I don't. I, I said at the beginning of this, and I'll say it now at the end of this Sam Raimi trilogy, some things Marvel has not done right that the Sam Raimi movies did, like the way they handle villains and being able to tell a story arc over three stories without you having to jam in a thousand other cameos from characters you're just trying to set up for some big crossover movie like The Avengers. And I missed this, and this was kind of the end of that. Interestingly enough, one year later... Marvel releases their first, in their cinematic universe, Iron Man. Uh, one year later, The Dark Knight comes out. You know, we had Batman begin before this, but yeah, comic movies would change after this. And this was, if you're looking at eras, this is kind of the end of uh, the, if you want to call it the golden age of comic books, uh, movies. But I guess the rebirth of comic movies, uh, what made them cool again. And this was the last of that. So overall, I mean, Sam Raimi formed a good trilogy, and Spider-Man 3 doesn't kill what he did with the first two. I'm still happy with it. But I'm also happy with a lot of what we have in Amazing Spider-Man, which we'll talk about next week. So be sure yeah. to come back and join us for that. Um, and we've got lots of Andrew Garfield, and <laughs> we'll eventually have lots of Tom Holland. He's coming in three weeks, because we're only three weeks away from Spider-Man Homecoming. Yay. Also a movie that I'm not really jumping out of my chair for yeah. but i'll still be interested to see i'm kind of the same uh, i'm like yeah you know it's spider-man spider-man like spider yeah. eh. <laughs> spider overkill ever since spider-man 3 uh we're done with the jazz we're done with the no. girlfriend beating we're done with the emo <laughs> done with the mj uh and we're done with mj thankfully especially when you consider the actress they pick for for the next one um it's actually, but, hang on, uh, so stop. mj's in homecoming no, no, no. She was meant to be in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, who was and who was she cut. meant to be? Who was that? Well, who's somebody that I dislike almost as much as Natalie Portman? Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to go through the list. We'll get to that when we get to <laughs> Spider -Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, listen for us next Halle week. Halle Berry! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> too old to be MJ. Come on. Really <laughs> Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe to us, review us, like us on Facebook, look for Ben's picture of him making out with <laughs> Upside Down It is amazing. Uh, it is the best thing since Bernard was photoshopped onto <laughs> Tobey Maguire's body over Norman and his uh, wound. <laughs> Until next time, uh, my name has been Colin Colin Bobolin Banana <laughs> And, um... I like being bad. It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs>
And my name is Benna Benna Fofama for Banana Fana Benna whatever. And I'm just a nerdy kid from Queens. Do I deserve this? Now dig on this. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.